Hello, my friends. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Vimeo's High Maintenance. Uh, a lot of you know that uh, our podcasts have been available on Vimeo for a long time. And uh, as is the Culture High, a documentary that I did recently. And now Vimeo is actually launching their own homemade comedy series. Uh, the second season of this homegrown series made by Emmy-winning casting director Katja Blitchfeld from 30 Rock and actor-editor actor Ben Sinclair from uh, 30 Rock, Law & Order. Uh, ben Sinclair plays... A nameless pot dealer, the guy who, in typical New York fashion, brings it right to your apartment. That's what they do in New York. They have to deliver weed. They don't have stores. Fucking heathens. What a terrible place to live. <clears throat> uh, anyway, the stories that surround him about the lives of his characters are truly awesome, and his clients are a ridiculously diverse group of quirky New Yorkers, as you would expect. Really critically acclaimed and funny series, and their stories are uh, very real and often way over the top. And this is Vimeo's first original series. Uh, Vimeo loved the show so much that they financed the second season. Uh, only $8 for a season pass to watch six episodes. Pretty fucking sporty. Three available now, three more in January, and you can only get it here at vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash high maintenance. Enter the code word Rogan at checkout, and the first 500 fans uh, to redeem will get 10% off. Vimeo has our podcast at uh, vimeo.com forward slash Joe Rogan Experience. So we're, we're happy to help support them, and it's just a great site. There's so much cool content on Vimeo, and it's really awesome to see them going out of their way to uh, take a chance and to sponsor or to rather uh, – pay for and uh, make a series. Uh, I think it's it's cool that they finance this. And it's a really good show. The show is called High Maintenance. And again, you can get it at vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash high maintenance. Uh, this is what Vice said about it. Not that you'd need to be high to appreciate this much buzzed about tale of weed culture in the waning days of pot prohibition. BuzzFeed said the fantastic web series High Maintenance is more than worth your time. It's even worth investing a few bucks. And again, not that much money. Eight bucks for a season pass. Six episodes, three available now, three more in January. One more time, Vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash high maintenance. Uh, and again, the first 500 JRE fans to enter the code word Rogan will get 10% off. We're also brought to you by Me Undies. I'm wearing Me Undies right now, bitches. That's right. I love them. They're the best underwear I've ever owned. That's a fact. <clears throat> I'm not lying. I'm not making shit up. It's just a fact. Me Undies are the best underwear I have ever worn. 90%. Know that number? That's the percentage of your life that you're in your underwear. And underwear gets old. Some of you dirty bitches keep your underwear for up to seven years. That is a real number. That's the average for some strange reason. We keep underwear for just way too long. And you know that feeling of putting on old, saggy underwear. Well, you need to know the great feeling of great-fitting underwear that's two times softer than cotton. You heard me. Two times. Me Undies is the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn and the most comfortable underwear you will ever wear. 
It's insane how good it makes you feel. They fit perfectly. They don't ride up on your junk. And they literally pour. Pull? They literally pour? Uh, that's the word is pull. And I'm saying pull. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe my me, my me undies are so good that it's fucked up my speech. All kidding aside. They fit perfectly. They don't ride up on your dick bag. And they pull moisture away from your skin so that you stay cool. Like I said, I have mine on right now. Jamie, look at these. They're, they're fucking camo. I'm not playing games. Look at this. See that? Thought I was lying, motherfucker. No. They have cool styles for both men and women. They all look great. Check out the photos yourself at MeUndies.com. The quality would typically retail for two times more than MeUndies price. No retail middleman means more savings for you. So I'll make it easy. Go to MeUndies.com forward slash Rogan and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's MeUndies.com forward slash Rogan for 20% off your first order and free shipping. Save even more when you buy a pack of them. They guarantee that you're going to be happy with them or your first pair is free. Come on. How good is that? But to get that 20% off, you got to go to MeUndies.com forward slash Rogan. And finally, last but not least, we are brought to you by Onnit.com. On it, O-N-N-I-T. We are a human optimization website. That is our goal, total human optimization. And what we mean by that is we provide you with the tools and the ingredients to improve your existence. What that means is strength and conditioning equipment, including artistic strength and conditioning equipment like our quad mace or our primal bells, which are all based on the great apes or uh, the legend bell, which is uh, there's a series of them coming out. But the first one that's out right now is the werewolf and uh, enlarged, enlarged, enlarged handle for enhanced grip strength. It's cool as fuck. It looks like a werewolf. You can pretend to be terrified while you're lifting weights. Um, I'm a big fan, and I'm also a big fan of the Primal Bells especially. I, I work out with the Great Ape every day. I work out with the Big Gorilla. That's my motherfucker. Uh, what we have it on it is all shit that I use. What the idea and the goal behind creating on it is have one website where we can sell all the different things that we know are currently effective for improving your mind, improving your fitness, improving your endurance, improving your immune system. The supplements that we sell are all not just backed by our own guarantee, which is the first 30 pills you have 90 days. You don't have to return them. You just say they don't work and you get your money back. We are trying to sell you the very best shit that we can find. And our goal is to have you 100% happy with our interaction. Uh, not just backed by that, but also backed by rock solid research. Every single supplement we have, every single supplement we sell comes with a research tab. Click on that link and find out what the peer reviewed studies have been on the individual ingredients and in uh, when it comes to many of our supplements, specifically T plus and uh, Alpha Brain, we have done our own studies. They are very expensive, uh, these studies, but they're they're very important. They're very significant. We we want to make sure that what we're doing is uh, not just above above board. What's that word? Above water? Above not just 
beyond reproach, not just making sure that everything that we're selling you is uh, 100% effective, but that there's like real science behind the efficacy of all these things. Uh, Alpha Brain especially. We've done one study, the the peer-reviewed study is available. It was a essentially what's called a pilot study. It was about it was 20 uh, people and out of those 20 people, I believe four dropped out, so it was only like 16. So we decided to do a huge one, and the huge one has 60 people. That one, uh, we have very positive results. All that stuff will be published soon, and each individual ingredient has research to back it up as well. Um, the study that we did is on the synergistic um, effect of all the ingredients together. It's fascinating stuff. I've been fascinated with nootropics for many years before we ever got into uh, creating um, this combinatory supplement called Alpha Brain. But I've been studying nootropics and taking nootropics for a long time. It's been proven that there are different supplements that you can take that can elevate the levels of endogenous neurotransmitters, providing stress management compounds and promoting long-term neuroprotection and enhanced cognition, enhanced memory, enhanced the ability to form sentences is to me one of the most tangible ones. Like I feel like when I take alpha brain, my brain works smoother, things are just more available to me, if that makes sense. All this information is available in the less long-winded form at onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T, use the code word ROGAN, and save 10% off any and all supplements. All right, my friends. The man who I'm introducing today, uh, the guy on this podcast, is the one and only Rory McDonald. Rory McDonald is a top UFC fighter, a really fascinating guy, um, an interesting fellow to talk to. I really enjoyed talking to him, and I was glad to have him on the podcast. And if you listen to the, the music on the podcast where it says, Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out, that's actually Rory McDonald. So without further ado, please welcome one of the top UFC fighters on the planet. Mr. Rory McDonald. Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. You may recognize this man as the voice saying the Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. You might know him from the UFC, one of the top welterweight contenders in the world. You might know him from Metamorris, which is probably the premier grappling event in North America where he just competed this past weekend. Rory McDonald, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, buddy? Uh, not much, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. So you're in town. You uh, you did some competing at uh, Metamorris against uh, JT Torres, who's a top-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor. Yeah. yeah. Really, uh, really good. And you that's unusual that a guy who's in your position, who's a, a top welterweight contender in MMA, decides to test himself in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Why did you decide to do that? I think... I want to test myself in as many martial arts as I can. That's why I kind of got into it and why I started fighting, you know, the whole competitive and testing my martial arts skill against someone else at the highest level. You know, so uh, Metamorphosis was a great setup. I like the rules, the concept of it. So I, I asked if I could be a part of it and, you know, it all worked out. Oh, that's cool. So you approached them. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, man. You know, Metamorris, if for folks who don't know, the idea behind it is they don't have any points, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I too. like that. Um, I almost kind of wish they had no time limit. You know, like the time limit is kind of like real jujitsu. Like when you talk to like Hoist or you talk to you know Elio back in the day, they would they would say you know that especially in mixed martial arts they need time. Mm-hmm. Like they're all about just 
of war of attrition, just mm-hmm. slowly but surely keeping a pace on a guy until he makes a mistake and then you eventually catch him. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the Metamorphs um, matches, like yours, go to draw because mm-hmm. after tw- is twenty minute time limit for yours. Yeah. Yeah. They go to 20-minute time limit, and if no one has submitted each other, it winds up being a draw. But you guys were both going for it. It was yeah. only a draw because the time ran out. I mean, you mm-hmm. were you attacked with a leg lock that got pretty close. He attacked with Kimura. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a pretty wild, fast-paced match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot that happened. I, if there was points, he would have definitely beat me. But, uh, you know, like you were saying, it's, it's, it's nice to have no points so you can – maybe you're more comfortable – working out a side control on the mm-hmm. bottom rather than guard or butterfly right. guard. So you're not too worried about letting him pass right? or getting him out or something, you know? So, like, if you've seen um, Gary Tonin, mm-hmm. he lets guys mount him just so yeah. he can leg lock him. Right. Like, I, I train with that guy. I won't mount him because, <laughs> you know, it's so I like the, the What does he do? Of, does he do the legs over the top? Uh, how no, does he mount no. you? He does, or how does he... Uh... He does, like, a kipping uh, thing with his legs, so... Mm-hmm. He'll get his hips underneath of you, then he'll he'll uh, go to the ashigrami and take the leg. So he goes sideways. So he gets... he almost does a one eighty and takes the leg. Huh? Yeah. If you watch the match, you'll see him do it. There's a lot of guys that are coming up with all these wild techniques now. I was just watching some. Uh, Jeff Glover has some crazy new technique where he goes from being caught inside control to a heel hook. He like he was d- demonstrating it, mm. but it's just. The the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu, one of the most amazing things about jiu-jitsu, is it seems to be constantly changing and evolving. Yeah. Like, MMA is evolving and changing constantly, and MMA is constantly incorporating techniques that we already knew worked mm-hmm. in, in martial arts, like mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Muay Thai techniques or Taekwondo techniques. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing all these being introduced into MMA, but mm-hmm. we're not seeing, like, new striking techniques. Those The techniques have kind of been around for a long right. time. right. Whereas with jujitsu, it's like it seems like it's exploding. Cons- yeah, it's, it never if, ends. Yeah, if you're away for like five months, you're you're behind the ball big time because there's so much going on all the time. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it what is a, weird. <laughs> it's just a crazy. But sport. it's exciting. It's super yeah. exciting to be a part of. Well, it's one of my favorite uh, martial arts because I just <laughs> think that it's there's a lot of good things about it. Where, um, first of all, it's the martial art where a small person can beat a big person mm-hmm. because. When you watch like a Bruce Lee movie and you see some little guy just throwing flying kicks and knocking out all these big dudes, the reality of it is that that there's a reason for weight classes, and one of the mm-hmm. big reasons is like for striking and for right. just, just overwhelming someone. Yeah, weight classes are important. Definitely. But I've seen time and time again smaller guys submit bigger guys in jujitsu, and that was the whole thing that was so impressive about Hoist Gracie yeah. in the early days of the UFC. Since they didn't know jujitsu, he was submitting guys that were way bigger and stronger than him. Yeah, yeah, that's the great thing about jujitsu. You know, I, when I started, I was a tiny little kid, smaller than average, when I first started at martial arts, and that's why I took to jujitsu so fast because I was able to neutralize or even beat bigger guys. Yeah, which doesn't really—I mean, you very rarely see that in kickboxing. A guy has mm-hmm. to be like way better. Yeah, they can overwhelm you with their power and size and smother you, right? Like Bob Sapp versus Ernesto Hoost. It's yeah. a perfect example. <laughs> yeah. If you've never seen that match, yeah. uh, Jamie, p- pull that up so people get – I don't know if that will get us pulled from YouTube. That's that's our – If whenever we say right. pulled from YouTube, people are uh, taking shots now. <laughs> they're going to die. Uh, we'll, we'll pull it up so you get a, people 
Well, if you if you listen to this, just Google Bob Sapp versus Ernesto Hoost. And what who Ernesto Hoost was, former K1 Grand Prix champion, one of the most technical kickboxers ever in the history of kickboxing. He was just... Uh, and he's actually fighting again now, which is pretty incredible. But he was just uh, an amazing technical kickboxer. And uh, he embodied that Dutch style of kickboxing. Very strong low kicks, really good boxing. And he fought this guy named Bob Sapp, who was a former football player who was 99% steroids. I mean, he literally, I mean, as juiced to the tits as a person can get. He was 350 pounds with abs and doesn't even look like a real person. Like when you see him, you're like, that can't be real. He's so big. And all he did was just overwhelm Ernesto Hoos, just push him into the corner and just kind of Donkey Kong him. Yeah, not much technique there. No, very little. I mean, it's all just size and mass. And I mean, even the way he's throwing his punches, he's just winging his punches. And he's one of the few guys that Fedor Emelianenko allegedly passed on fighting. He didn't want to fight him. Mm. He just said, listen, come on, stop. Because, you know, when Fedor was the heavyweight champion, he fought big guys. Mm-hmm. He fought Semi Schilt. Mm-hmm. Um, he fought uh, that, that giant Korean dude. What was his name? The guy was literally a oh, giant. Oh, yeah. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I mean, that. he fought big guys. It, you know, in a small ring, it, it's not ideal for a more technical guy either. Right. So he could just get pushed up against the ropes and he can't do anything. There, so Sap eventually goes down from, uh, I think, a leg kick or a left hook to the body. He got hit with something. But to his credit, he got up and I think it was leg kicks. Ernesto Hoos is just yeah. so beautiful in his technique. But he was being outweighed by about 150 pounds. <laughs> which is, and he's not a small guy either. No. I mean, he's a heavyweight. Yeah. And uh, th- that's just an example of the difference between, like, say, jiu-jitsu and kickboxing. Because if this was like Hicks and Gracie in his prime versus Bob Sapp and it was just a, a jiu-jitsu match – he would eventually get him. He would yeah. hang on to him. Yeah, so it was a leg kick that dropped him, it looks like. He was never good at taking damage. Bob Sapp? No, he was not. Well, he you know, he had a relatively short time in mm-hmm. fighting, and then along the way, what he did was he you know, kind of just started taking dives. Like he would get hit. I mean, Selling I mean, fights. Yeah, I mean, he'd sell the fights and you know, make a big hype out of it, and then somewhere along the line, he just kind of... You know, we'd get hit, and then he would go down in a fetal position. But I think they stopped the fight right here. Look, he goes down. It's incredible. Anyway, we don't have to watch the rest of it, but it's the best example of the difference between jiu-jitsu and, say, kickboxing or or striking, where the size can make a pretty big difference. Because skill-wise, I mean, you're dealing with, like, a blue belt there versus a black belt in Mm -hmm. Ernesto Hoost. Mm -hmm. Jiu-jitsu is also... This martial art where leverage and technique and positions, it's, it seems to be like this continual flow of techniques. Like you never, you, you, you've never learned enough. You've never gotten good enough. And even guys who have been around it a long time, when they stop learning and they stop applying new techniques to their game, you see them get beaten by young guys that mm-hmm. have all this, these new techniques that they're just not familiar with the positions. Right. Yeah, uh, the the jiu-jitsu now is definitely a lot different. You know, uh, when I go to New York and train at Henzo's, like, there's always something new that catches me by surprise for the first day or two, you know, and I have to I have to make sure that I'm watching out for that. So 
you know, it, even I get caught in it every second month going down there, you know? Yeah, there's no, I mean, and Henzo has just a fucking lines den of killers down there, too. It's like a room of black belts. Have you gone to Tenth Planet at all? Have you trained down no. there with Eddie? No, but I'd like to. Sure. I'll set it up. Let yeah. me know when you want to go. He'll, he'll help you. He's, I actually leg dragged him in the hall at Metamorphosis. <laughs> he did fell you? on his back. He's, he's <laughs> got goofing a, around. He's but. got a back problem right now. Oh, really? That probably didn't help it. <clears throat> no, no. He's got, uh, he's dealing with some back spasms. He's, uh, you know, he works his guard so much. It's mm. like so yeah. lower back intensive. So right. he's doing a lot of rehab stuff. And we were talking about this before the show, but that is a big issue with fighters is like back injuries. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most difficult to overcome because so many guys get them and then their their skill level deteriorates. Whereas like mm-hmm. if you get a knee injury, you get sold, uh, surgery on it. Like, George St. Pierre came back better than ever, you know? Mm-hmm. The guys can come back from knee surgery. Yeah. Conor McGregor, better right. than ever. Right. Um, yeah, I, I constantly have to be keeping up with my back maintenance. Like, I had to pull out of a fight because of a neck problem. So my neck and back is a constant thing that I have to watch and have therapy done on two, three times a week, you know? What kind of therapy do you do? Uh, massage and osteo all the time it doesn't stop for me or else i just like stiffen up and i'm like this mm-hmm. you know with the amount of training i'm doing but i i like to do like a warm-up and a cool down before every single training session with different exercises to like activate my muscles and my back uh stretching it uh, um yeah uh, i do a lot of planks like just like planking exercise that's pretty good for my back as well um, that machine you just showed me in the back. The reverse hyper? Of, yeah, we yeah. have one of those at TriStar. I should probably start using that a lot more than that. That thing's I do. incredible. Yeah. That thing's incredible. It's it was created we were talking about it was created by this guy Louis Simmons, who's this powerlifting legend who's like I think he's sixty seven or something crazy like that, who's just fucking yeah. enormous dude who still deadlifts some insane amount of weight. And yeah. he injured his back. They were going to do surgery. They wanted to fuse his discs, and he wouldn't let them. And he figured out a way to make a machine that active, actively decompresses your spine and strengthens it at the same time. Yeah. It's very difficult to describe the motion. So if anybody's interested, if you have any sort of a back injury, Google reverse hyper. And uh, I got mine from Rogue Fitness. But there's a couple companies that sell them, including Westside Barbell, which is Louis C- Simmons' company. Right. But he invented it. It's an amazing thing. But for fighters, just a giant tool to strengthen mm-hmm. your core right. and build up your spinal column. They could see him. He's like fucking 70 <laughs> in this picture. He's an enormous dude. But the the maintenance and um, the uh, physical therapy and all mm-hmm. that stuff, how do you schedule that in? Do you have someone who does your schedule as far as like your... No, I do it. You do everything? Strength yeah. and conditioning, yeah. all your stuff? Yeah. How do you um, organize it? Just over time, it's just like kind of, you know, I've been at TriStar for like seven years now. So like over time, you kind of figure out what to take away, what to put in on that day and see what works out. So it's just a a gradual progression of learning where things fit in on on certain days. Do you have a, do you keep a journal, like a training journal? No. No? Just all in your head? Yeah. Now, when you're preparing for a fight, say if you have a big fight coming up, like your last fight with Tarek Safadine, mm-hmm. and you're concentrating on a guy who's a kickboxer, do you, do you go more kickboxing heavy? Do you do? You... No, not really. It's I kind of just I kind of just go with my gut feeling of what I feel like I want to do at that mm-hmm. period of time. Um, I've, lately, I've been doing a lot of jujitsu, 
um, I've just been feeling excited about it. So I follow that excitement, you know, mm. sometimes I've like, I really feel like doing a lot of kickboxing. So I, I find that my schedule is not completely kickboxing, but it dominates the week mostly. You're one of the few guys that's come along in MMA and you're like the new crop guys who didn't have a background in wrestling, yeah, you didn't have a background in karate. You're you're just from the beginning, you started in mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah. I started at 14 uh, out of Toshido Mixed Martial Arts in Kelowna and uh, I was just lucky enough to stumble f- upon an MMA gym for my first martial arts um, gym. So that's just how it, it all came about. I guess it was just a blessing, you know. You're 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 not the type of guy. Like if I didn't know you, yeah. you know, if I met you, I would say this seems normal, peaceful dude. Seems pretty, yeah. you know. Like there's, you could meet certain dudes, and they got this kind. Like you met Josh Barnett, you're like, yeah, I could see that guy being a fighter. He's a little, <laughs> little fucking intense, little little high strung. Yeah, you're yeah. like very mellow and like even keeled. I like to be, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is that on purpose, or is this just your personality naturally? I think naturally it is, but then there's the other side too, mm-hmm. right? Where everyone calls me fucking psycho. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people were wondering, like, what the fuck is this dude actually like? Because yeah. of, like, pull pull up that. This is fucking the the death stare, the Roy McDonald <laughs> death stare. That everybody, where did, is this? Where's this coming from, man? Like, uh, is that is that just natural? Does that yeah. like this death stare that you have? Yeah. I don't when know. you fight. Um, Are you aware I'm of it? I'm just in the zone, I guess. You're not even blinking, dude. Yeah, well, at when I was fighting Tarek, you know, he, he uh, I caught him, like, just staring at me when I was coming in, and it kind of made me, like, I don't know what the best way to say it, kind of like alpha male. Like, I was just like, you're, like, we were fighting for our territory, so we were just like, you know, like a couple of dogs staring down at each other before we were about to fight. I don't know, it kind of felt like that. Some guys avoid that. You know, Boss Rutten used to avoid eye contact. contact. He didn't make eye contact. It doesn't bother me either way. (coughs) Like, I don't think me staring at them is going to make me win the fight. Right, right, right. It has nothing to do with it. I I totally believe in skill over any of the psychological battles or, uh, you know, being bigger or smaller. But I guess it's, uh, it just, it just happens. It just happens and you just go with it. The same thing. Yeah. You just like, fuck this. I'm staring them down. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look away and make you make me feel like I'm a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird moment, though, right? Yeah, it is awkward, I guess. But when you get into the octagon, you know, the, regardless on you know who you're fighting, like how important the fight is, do you have like uh, a routine that you go through mentally? Do you have like a preparation that you go through? No. I, if anything, I'm just thinking about techniques in my head, but. Sometimes I'm not thinking about anything. I just can't wait to they ring that bell because they make you wait for so long anyway. Right. Is that the hardest part? Is it the anticipation? Not really. Kind of used to it by now. Has it become like as you've fought more and more guys, higher and higher level, has it become like more and more like relaxed to you or more normal? Yeah, it's normal. Especially when you're fighting like like I've been real busy the last year or two. So it's... Every fight now seems like it's just like I, it's. I remember this feeling. You know? Right. Yeah. That's big, right? Yeah, it is. That's why you see a guy like Dominic Cruz. It's out for three years. It makes his fight even more impressive when he just yeah he fought did. Mitsugaki yeah. and steamrolled him. Yeah, he did do very well. Incredible. Fucking looked better than he's ever looked. Yeah. When you see a guy like that, though, um, you know you're making a living off of your body. 
I mean, you make a living with your body. I mean, mm. and your goals are predicated on the health of your body. And you see, like a guy like Dominic Cruz who tore his ACL and then he tore his hamstring and tore his ACL again. I mean, mm. he had a lot of fucking series of serious yeah, fucking that injuries. Like shit. Almost three years out. Right. Does that freak you out when you see shit like that? Yeah. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. Uh, I guess, yeah, I just hope to God that never happens to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a massive hurdle to overcome. Props to him for coming back. And, yeah. You know, and that guy, but he's good, too. He's, no he's very good. Yeah. He's very good. He's, he's like the bar setter when it comes to footwork right. and movement. When you see a guy like that who runs into such a, a massive hurdle, like a three-year absence from the sport like mm. that, does that make you change your preparation anyway or be a little bit more cautious or be a, a little mm. bit more uh, diligent about strength and conditioning or uh, f- rehab or anything like that? No. no? I just, like other people's lives don't really influence mine. I just, I, just uh, I feel like I go with the flow a lot, you know, if uh, – you know, if I see something that would be beneficial to me, then I'll do it. Or if I'm, I, I want to go a certain direction in my martial arts career, then I'm going to go that. I don't care if it didn't work out so well for that guy. I'm going to go down that path, you know. I follow my instincts and my excitement. It's such a fascinating way to pursue a goal in life, you know, to pursue a, a goal of becoming a champion mixed mm-hmm. martial arts fighter. Mm-hmm. There's so few people that you can kind of, like, figure out how to do it from Maybe it's like best that you have this mentality. Just yeah. figure out well, yourself. You can't fear. You can't let fear into your life, you know, or else it's just going to take over. Right. And you know, just because this guy hurt his knee and was out for three years, shouldn't stop me from going and and, and fighting for what I want. Right. Maybe you could be. You could take some precautions, but and do things a little bit smarter. But now, when you say things like you can't let fear into your life or into your mind do Mm -hmm. you actively try to block that out is this like something that you work on yeah i would say so yeah it's like i guess the best example is is just going into a fight like you see some guys are terrified and it works for them like george right 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 (laughs) but i'm not scared at all like i'm nervous i definitely have nerves i'm not gonna lie about that you know, the anticipation of it. And I think it's natural to just your body just knows what it's about to go do. But I, I'm not going to fear what I'm about to do. I'm going to take it head on and I'm going to conquer it. So when George would fight, he would have like some serious nerves. Yeah, he's terrified. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy it, when you think he's, you know, the best welterweight ever. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like all week before his fight, he just won't stop talking about how scared he is. Really? It's just it's really funny actually. But why does he dwell on it? <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just how he prepares for fights and it's interesting. I don't I don't relate to it in, at, at all. It's he's a fascinating guy because he'll tell everyone what his fears are, tell everyone what his weaknesses are. Yeah. It's almost like he's setting himself up to have to overcome those things. Yeah. I- yeah, I don't know why he does that. Because he performs so well. I mean, he yeah. has all... It's like, traditionally, like, if you would tell someone, like, what's the best thing to concentrate on? Concentrate on positive things. Focus yeah. on the positive. Yeah. But then you look at George and yeah. the achievements that he's been able to to you know, make and, the, the you know, he's the greatest welterweight of all time. Yeah. Maybe it makes it this, that much more impressive, you know, yeah. that he 
you know, he has all these fears and he overcomes them. He forces himself to push through that anyway. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Well, it's, what's interesting with George is just a couple different versions of George. There's like the p- play it safe George. There's a try to win George. And then there's a George that fought BJ Penn that was legitimately fucking pissed off. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or when he fought Matt Sarah the second time. Yeah. He pissed. Yeah, legitimately pissed off. Yeah. But I think, like, Matt Sarah as a person didn't bother him as much as no. BJ did. BJ right, right. got under his skin. <laughs> like, I remember, like, when BJ was sell- telling him that he was going to be fighting to the death. Yeah. And, you know, you could see George is like, you motherfucker, like, <laughs> talking all this crazy shit, like, you know, calling him You a can't help but let that, and... some of that stuff, set, like, bug you, right? Yeah, what but it seemed it like that was, like, one of his most... Perf- impressive performances like he wasn't just trying to win that fight he was trying to beat the fuck out of BJ <laughs> yeah he you know really what I mean smashed him, yeah. it was like a different thing yeah you know but it also has to do I think with the skill level of your opponent um and and, and the style of fight the the way the fight's going you know I don't think George intentionally tries to play it safe he's constantly fighting the best guy in the world for 10 years in a row because right. he's the champ, right? So it's the guy, the next guy at his best peaking for this, the moment, the most important moment in his martial arts career. He's got to fight that guy for 10 years or however long he held that belt in a row. People don't really take that into equation. Yeah. You know, he's always got to be the best in the world, you know? Yeah, people always say that like, oh, he hasn't finished anybody. Like, look at the fucking people <laughs> he's fighting. And not just that, they're at their best. Yeah. They're not just training for another fight. Yeah. This is the their moment. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's quite impressive, and it's, I think people forget about that sometimes. It is. And, you know, what, is, what was equally impressive was that he had the, the awareness to step away, to mm. say, you know what, I just need to take a break. Yeah. You know, and there's been talk about him returning, and I know he's starting to train again, and he's mm. training and enjoying it, and he's yeah. not making any decisions, but... I appreciate the fact that with all the money that's on the line, all the money that he could potentially be earning, mm. all the pressure to get him to fight again, that he had the presence of mind to go, you know what, let me just step back. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a part of knowing yourself. And I think it's important. Like, the guy has no life. If you got, if you seen how this guy trains, you'd be blown away. I'd never met anyone who trains that hard. Really? Yeah, he's like he's got OCD, so it's like everything has to be perfect, and his training is like it, 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 he can't miss a day, even if he's exhausted or you know he's feeling like shit. Like the guy is just a workhorse. That's what it takes, right? For some guys, for me, not so much. No, I tried doing that, and it just didn't work for me. That's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> so you you have your own protocol like you decide yeah i go with how i'm feeling i think that's after metamorris you know i've been here for a couple days now and i could have went training but i felt like crap i'm sore my arm hurts yeah so right i'm chilling and then (laughs) tomorrow i'll probably i'll go train because i'll be I'll, i'll be into it you know and then i'll be excited to train you know and i'll get the most out of that training session i'll be aware i'll be listening to the guys around me and i'll be and i'll be I'll take as much as I can out of that training session and feel good about it. And for me personally, I feel like my skills increase more that way. Mm-hmm. When I go to the gym, like, like, uh, strict two, two days, you know, every single day, my body breaks down and I'm at the training session. I'm like, uh, I don't care about what anyone says. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm just getting through it rather than 
taking part in it. You know, I've had conversations with uh, many trainers about this. <clears throat> and one of the things that a lot of people are in agreement um, is that there's an unrealistic expectation about what your body can go through that may be based on a lot of guys who use drugs. A lot of guys who use mm. performance-enhancing drugs. Like there's right. guys who will tell you they're training three times a day, seven <laughs> days a week. And yeah. if you're doing that, if they are doing that, they have to be taking some shit. I have no idea how how anyone could. Like my body is dying, you know, after uh, half a week of training once a day, yeah. you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how these guys do that, man. It's It blows my mind. I, I just I just stay away from it. Well, the demands of MMA are so different than any other sport because you're essentially learning three major sports. You know, yeah. you're learning striking, you're learning kickboxing, you're learning wrestling, and you're Grappling, learning jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's three of them together, and you're incorporating them with strategy and, and different positions. Intertwining yeah, them, yeah. It's fucking crazy. Different combinations. Like, look at John Jones. He can, yeah. Just, he's so, uh, he's like an artist out there, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Intertwining them, too, is. It's like an art of its own. Yeah. It's such a uh, all-encompassing sort of a, a competition, which is why a guy like George with OCD, a guy who just is training constantly and mm -hmm. relentlessly, is why he excels in this because he can ramp it to a point where a lot of people just can't keep up with him. It works for him. Yeah. It works for him. Did you try, when you, you first start, came to TriStar seven years ago, um, you were a guy who, I mean, how old are you now? 20, Five. 25. So you were fucking, god damn, dude. 18. You were 18 when you came to TriStar? Mm -hmm. And so you were doing well. You were, you know, you were starting to uh, to fight and you're starting to, to excel in your techniques and just realized, I need to go to where the best gym in the country is. Yeah. I, I'd come down there to visit. uh when I wasn't fighting or, you know, just to get a weekend of training with the guys and, you know, just see what it, uh, another gym was like because I've only been at one gym, trained with those people, right? So I wanted to explore martial arts a little bit and uh, the amount of talent there and the technical approach there, I, I, I felt that I, I could really excel with that. Yeah, Faraz hobby. I was hoping that he was going to be able to make it in here, but he's mm -hmm. got some family obligations. Just had a daughter. <clears throat> I love that dude. He's yeah. a fascinating guy. Yeah. And one of the best coaches. Like, he's got the one thing that drives me crazy is when I listen to coaches in between rounds and they just say nonsense. <laughs> like, you got to get after him. You got to knock him out. Like, get out of there. <laughs> I remember one, one, one of BJ's fights. It was like, you got to get him, BJ. Do it Hilo style or yeah. something. Like, they were saying, like, some crazy shit. I was like, does he have anybody in there that can give him some fucking technical, technical advice? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, tell him what is going wrong. Step off to the left, you know, change levels. Do mm -hmm. something. You gotta, you gotta yeah, give him some... I, I understand that approach in some situations if the guy's just sleeping right, and he's just not willing to work. You gotta wake him up. But for me, I need someone to give me the technical advice. Right. Because I'm in there fighting trying to figure this puzzle out. You know? And and Faraz does, and John Donaher do a really excellent job with giving me those those pieces of the puzzle, right? Yeah, Donaher's a, another guy, an unheralded, brilliant guy. Yeah, love talking to that guy. Yeah, he's a he's a smart guy. He was a guy that I wound up talking to. I, I worked out with George once. We worked out on spinning back kick technique. Yeah, I wound yeah, I up seen that. doing it through Donaher because Donaher came to me and he said, "Is like I need to find someone." 
who uh, has right. got a – and, you know, we wound up talking about spinning back kick technique, and then I worked out with George. But mm-hmm. you talk to John, and he's just this weird, quiet encyclopedia of information when it comes to martial arts. He's got a very yeah, unique like a approach. Savant. Yeah. It's, yeah, he's an incredible guy. He's a brilliant dude. Yeah. Really unheralded. Like, yeah. I don't think people in the, in the business understand. Yeah. He's what, not into it for the media or the attention. At all. He's just, he's so, I, he has such a deep passion for martial arts and finding out how to beat another person. He's just genius. I heard his skill level on the mat is incredible, too. Yeah. The, and the way he teaches, too. Like, the things he's coming up with is just so cutting edge. What a, what a mind. That's that's a big part of success in MMA, isn't it? Surrounding yourself with great training partners and mm-hmm. having minds like that as coaches. Yeah, you need uh, for a coach, you need someone just as dedicated on the other side of the fence as you are doing the physical work. You know, because you know you need you need that skill. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to to take what take the skill from them and and put it into your physical training, right? Right. Yeah. That's what Dwayne Ludwig brought to Team Alpha Male and you see look what a massive impact that's had. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Cuz he's just as crazy about coaching as those guys are about fighting. I mean, if you ever meet Dwayne, he's got just notebooks and fucking oh, stacks yeah. of shit that he's, you know, into and he's constantly revising his the routines and the drills that he runs guys through and right. and sizing things up like when T.J. Dillashaw beat Hennen Burrell, I had lunch with Ludwig that day, uh, and Dwayne, Dwayne's – you ever talked to Dwayne? No, not really. He's a maniac. Like, you talk to him, he's talking a million miles an hour. He's like one of those dudes. And he's like, what got to do? He's got to step off to the left. you got to make sure that when, when Burrell attacks, he attacks, he overcommits, he stays flat-footed, he does this. What T.J.'s going to do is going to do a lot of things. mind is just yeah. going a thousand. <laughs> he's just redlining constantly. And he essentially blueprinted – exactly what was going to happen in the fight right he explained to me exactly what was going to happen in the fight and tj and him have such a close relationship that it was just one of those situations where the co- the right coach met the right student and the student is a sponge yeah. and he just listens to everything Dwayne says mm-hmm. you know what's really funny about it is we were talking about this during one of the fight podcasts is that you know who doesn't fight the way Dwayne teaches Dwayne. Oh yeah, <laughs> he never fought like that. Right. He's not like Captain Footwork. No, no, know? he's not. No, no, he's precision puncher. Yeah, yeah. precision puncher, precision yeah. kicker, yeah. excellent Muay Thai. Yeah. But he wasn't that like no. crazy footwork he dude. Move too much. No, no, no not too much. It's weird. Yeah, but he teaches TJ, and it's perfect. It's almost right. like do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe his body didn't work that way, or maybe he didn't need to, or he had a different approach. Right. But yeah, he's doing good work out there. Yeah, he really is. I'm amazed. I mean, it's one of the things that's most exciting to me about MMA is the differences in approach as as far as like different coaches and the results because nobody really knows exactly what the right way to do it is. And mm-hmm. it's different for you, you said, as it is for George. Mm-hmm. It's probably different for TJ than it is for like Joseph Benavides. Like mm-hmm. everybody has their own approach and it's it's just a matter of figuring it all out and working it all out mm-hmm. and there's so many variables it's just so an endlessly fascinating to me it is yeah it's it's crazy there's so many new guys too it's so exciting right now yeah the amount of the amount of new talent coming out and and, and the new uh 
like you look at Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, these guys are so different yeah. than what we've seen like five years ago. It's great. No, no one was using judo throws like Ronda is. No one. It's crazy. Or Hector. You know, Hector uses <laughs> yeah, Hector, them really well, yeah, too. Yeah, Hector does very you well. You know, Lombard versus Jake Shields was a judo exhibition. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. That was a dominating <clears throat> fight. Yeah, he's a, he's a motherfucker. Yeah. Now, when you see a guy like Lombard and you see a fight like that with Jake Shields, does that get you excited about fighting him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. No, yeah, he, yeah, he's 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 gonna be uh, fun to fight for sure. I'm excited about fighting him. And you were excited about fighting Tyron Woodley, who's a, another yeah. powerful, explosive yeah, pow- guy. Powerful guy. You know, I felt like uh, my technique could overcome. You know, his physical. Uh, you know, obviously, you look at me and you look at him. He's physically superior. You know, like he's an <laughs> a- athlete, like just yeah. cut out of stone. And I felt like it was exciting for me to see. You know all the skill that I've skill work I've done over the years to overcome a bigger, stronger, faster opponent. You know, because I was never that guy. I, I'm an athletic guy, but when I started martial arts, I was a I was a little puke. Mm-hmm. You know, and I got beat up by bigger kids, or you know. So it's kind of it was a cool thing for me, especially to be in Vancouver to fight a guy like that and uh, use my skill to like you know solve this puzzle of you know the bigger faster stronger guy no that was a beautiful fight that was, was a beautiful fun. fight and that was a fight that you really kind of shut him down in a, in a weird way like yeah. he didn't he did, really didn't have an answer didn't know what to do yeah he was he was waiting for a certain certain thing I yeah think, and i also love how you use that high elbow to yeah. block the right hand yeah. that's a that's that's interesting that's a little used technique yeah is it, that for us yeah um the philly shell Mm-hmm. Um, was used uh, in the olden days when gloves weren't around mm-hmm. um, for uh, blocking headshots um, because the bigger gloves now in boxing, you can just go like this. and Right, you put your hands yeah. up to your But ears. now with our gloves or no gloves, this doesn't really stop anything. Right. It still hurts like hell. Your temple is exposed a lot. Your, your jawline back here is exposed a lot. These little... your fist can fit through these little spaces now because there's not a huge pillow Mm -hmm. not a huge pillow but a bigger pillow to absorb that that impact so they they started using the philly shell and using elbows and forearms and 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 your your tricep to 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 fill in those holes against uh you know just bare knuckle so I i felt that it would be useful to me yeah, it's interesting when you go back and you look at like old school boxing matches when they had the little tiny gloves. Like you look at some of like the um, Jack Dempsey fights. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were fighting with almost like little bag gloves. Yeah, they just had like know? leather. Yeah. And, <laughs> over their hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but which is very similar to MMA gloves. Yeah, yeah. Similar. What do you think about no gloves? I like it. Do you like that better? Yeah. I think about that all the time because I'm like, why is it okay to shin kick a guy in the head? Why is it okay to knee a guy in the head, elbow, <laughs> elbow a guy in the head? Yeah. But you have to protect your knuckles. Yeah. Like, is that some leftover holdout stuff from, from boxing? Yeah, it could be. The idea that you need pads. And and maybe just for the media, too. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we need to have rounds. We need to have uh, s- rules and, and, and gloves and some kind of protection so that the mainstream media can accept it as a sport. But, yeah, the raw UFC, first the first fights, you know, that's that's – that was the real deal. But it seems contradictory to me because how come you like 
Like uh, Edson Barboza, Terry Adam, where he wheel kicks him in the head and mm-hmm. hits him with his heel. I mean, that is the hardest part of your body. You're yeah. walking around on it all the time. You could take your heel and walk up to a wall it's and like a stomp the wall. Yeah. Anybody could do that. Yeah. You could take a little kid and they could stomp the wall. Yeah. Take a little kid and tell him to go punch the wall. Yeah. It'll hurt like – it hurts everybody. Yeah. Like you can't do it. Yeah. And it seems to me that it's very unrealistic to wrap up the hands, tape up the wrists, because that's an issue as well. The the, the wrists move, mm-hmm. you know, and you have this unrealistic expectation of how you could just sort of tee off on people and, mm-hmm. and, and brawl with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was just bare knuckle, you'd be forced to be much more precise with your punches and be much more realistic mm-hmm. in, in the impact of them. I think, it, I think our gloves, too aren't helpful for the situation. I think the UFC gloves could get a little bit better. In what way? Um, they're kind of like round, and so they make your hand open up. Ah, right. You're always talking about eye pokes. Yeah. The glove is a big reason for it, right. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Have you tried the Bellator gloves? No. Bellator I, has... I, I tried the old Pride gloves. They were awesome. You like those better? Oh, yeah. yeah. we used to have those laying around here somewhere. We probably have them yeah. in the back. Yeah. The old pride gloves have more of a curve to them. And if yeah. you watch the old pride Easier fights... Easier to make a fist and keep your fist. And very rare that you saw eye pokes. Mm-hmm. You know, they... Um, Bellator is using some Everlast gloves that do two things. One, it curves the fist more, keeps the fist closed more. And another thing is it uh, reinforces the uh, the metacarpal. Oh, okay. It, it reinfor- it's, it's more padding in here where it's preventing hand breaks. Right. Which... It makes it thicker, which makes it harder to choke people, which probably not that good. Mm. I think, like, especially for jiu-jitsu and grappling, I think it would definitely benefit people if there was no gloves. Yeah, yeah. It I might agree. even stop the eye pokes more I if there was so. no gloves because your hand wouldn't automatically open up. Yep, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I don't know if people are willing to see I that, though. I don't think so. But not, they, not, not, not in mainstream media and... No, I don't think so. But how crazy is that, though? Because you could smash, you get on top of a guy, and you could literally smash his eyeball open with your elbow. Yeah, it's just like, I think it's people's predisposition. Like, they're, they're, you know, they need to see that glove or Mm -hmm. whatever. Even though every other part of your body that's used as a weapon in the MMA world isn't protected. (laughs) And is harder. Shins and knees, you know. My my God, you know. Yeah, elbows are a big... You know, they cut you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that elbows – there's another argument that elbows shouldn't be allowed, like the strike force rules. No, they have to be allowed. They have to be allowed. Yeah. Because they're effective. Yeah. Yeah. What about – I mean – I think headbutts and knees on the ground need to be involved too. Really? Yeah. I would like to see that. Yeah, right? Like how come you can punch a guy in the head but you can't like smash him with your head? Like it is a yeah. legitimate weapon. It would change – with knees on the ground to the head and headbutts, it would change the dynamic of ground fighting. What about soccer kicks? Yeah, that too. But what about soccer kicks being a problem because guys get pinned up against the cage? That's the only argument that I've ever heard that makes a lot of sense to me, that they shouldn't be legal because you can get your head stuck. Yeah, but the fight would be over pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is just don't get stuck. Yeah, don't get there. Yeah. Or pay the Pay the, pay the price. I wonder if any organization could ever... If anybody would do it, it would be Japan. You know? Yeah. Japan would take it deep. Uh, who's, what, uh, 1FC's got some good rules. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have a weird rule where they allow you... Like, they say open fight or something like that, where they allow... Oh, yeah, the referee's kicks. discretion. They have yeah. to, like, 
time it or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That I, I and there's been fights too where it got awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Yeah, that's a bit weird. I don't know about the referee deciding. Because what if you get an idiot referee? You know? That does happen. There's a lot of those. There's sometimes where guys are battling for a position and it's like a very important transition in a fight. And the referee will like be like yelling at them. Like, Mm -hmm. come on, you guys, you got to work. You got to work. Like, what are you watching? Are you not watching a fight? These guys Mm -hmm. are fighting. And in my opinion, like, as long as guys aren't actively stalling, as long as they really are trying to get to a better position, mm-hmm. what you're watching is an important part of grappling. That's right. why I'm against stand-ups. Yeah, me too. Good. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think it's like just Let because the a fight guy, play out. Yeah, that's it's where five the no. Rounds. That's where the no no rounds and no time limit also plays a big part in a fight too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it should, but. You know, I, I kind of understand the idea of rounds, that it makes it more exciting. Yeah. Guys get to recover Rest. in between rounds. They don't yeah. seem so exhausted. But the if you're going to have rounds, then I'm really against stand-ups. Because yeah. if a guy could take you down and molest you for five rounds and just hold you in place and, and, and beat on you Ben Askren style, mm-hmm. that's life. Yeah, you got to learn how to deal with that. You got to yeah. have the tech, technical uh, skill to be able to get out of that situation yeah and Askren uh, I was kind of bummed out when he signed with 1FC because I was like I want to see what that guy can do Mm -hmm. in the UFC against elite guys yeah like when he fought Douglas Lima in uh in Bellator I was like holy shit like he could do that to that guy Mm -hmm. like Lima's a bad motherfucker and he's pretty good fucking ragged on him Askren Mm -hmm. is so goddamn good at wrestling yeah, he is. You know? he's good. <laughs> it's important to have guys like that around. Yeah, you know, it, I think maybe, maybe UFC is worried about him beating the exciting guys and then having a boring guy around because no, no one likes to watch him. Maybe it's a I do. It's a fan friendly thing, I guess. But I don't know. Who knows if he would? You know, you got to take. That's a the chance. exciting part. Yeah. My thought on it, I'm a purist, and my thought on it is, you don't know who the best in the world is until you take the guys who are the most dangerous, or in his case, the most problematic, mm-hmm. and you got to pit them up against each other. And unless you do, it's not legit. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him in the UFC to see if he is, you know, a top contender for real. Yeah, I mean, or you put him in there with a guy like you who could shut him down, and you say, oh, okay, well, here's his issue. You know, mm-hmm. he, you know, we've seen it time and time again. We, we just saw it with Eddie Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Eddie Alvarez, who looked great in Bellator, Donald Cerrone just picks his leg apart, <laughs> and you go, oh, okay, well, here's – this is the new level. You hit yeah. the next level. Yeah, you see yeah, you see uh, guys from other organizations that come in. You start to see maybe they're not so invincible, you know. Well, look at Hector Lombard. When, when he was fighting at 185 in Bellator, he was yeah. crushing people. Yeah, was Came killing. over to the UFC, Tim Bosch beats him. Yeah. And, you know, Tim Bosch is a very good fighter, no no doubt about it. But what the issue was is Bosch is a natural 205, cuts down to 185, and Lombard's a 170 who's mm-hmm. a little blown up to be 185. Yeah. And the skill level and the toughness and, of Bosch allowed him to beat him. And right. that's, you know, everybody was saying, like, Lombard's going to come over and smash everybody. And he looks really good now at 170. Yeah. But that's that's important. You've got to see that play out. Yeah. And if it doesn't play out, I feel like I feel like I got robbed. Like I feel I really do. Like when Askren signed with One FC, I remember reading it online. I was like, "What the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, was, who's he gonna fight over there?" I was upset. Yeah. I mean, maybe he, maybe in a year or two years, the talent level of One FC will rise to the occasion, or 
You know, maybe he'll go over to Bellator. Who, who the fuck knows? Or maybe mm-hmm. come back rather to Bellator. Who the fuck knows? You know, now that Coker's there and um, Bjorn is gone, you know, who knows? Maybe that was the issue, the mm-hmm. reason why he left. Yeah, maybe. It'd be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see him in the UFC. It would be nice to see another organization really fucking step up and be like Pride was, too. Like, be like the, yeah, the com- other. Competition yeah. would be good for the fighters. For it's sure. good for everybody, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's good for everybody in weight classes, too. Like, a weight class like yours, welterweight, I mean, you got a fucking murderer's row yeah. at welterweight. Yeah. And that's important. And that's why, you know, the, all these new guys are coming up and that are, they're at a very high level. And, like, it seems like whenever you have a really super ultra-competitive weight class, mm-hmm. it's the, all these people start rising to the occasion. And you mm-hmm. see better performances from all of them. Yeah. Yeah, the welterweight division is crazy, man. It's like so unstable. You never know who's gonna come out on top. It's like a pressure cooker. Yeah. But I, I think, I think it, I think I'm gonna, you know, I'm coming up right now, and I think I might be able to dominate the division soon. Well, you're definitely getting better. You know, yeah. that's one of the things. Getting I closer, say. getting yeah. the opportunity. I'm fighting for the title next, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, your fight against Safadine was a big eye-opener for a lot of people because Safadine is known as a stand-up guy, mm-hmm. and you set traps for him, man, you know? Mm-hmm. That was a that was a really interesting fight, you know? Yeah, there's small details going on in that mm-hmm. fight. Yeah, that was a big victory. You know, catching him like that and stopping him like that, that was a big victory. The Damian Maya fight was a big victory, that too. Was my, that was probably my favorite fight. Yeah, because he got you down in that first round when he's most dangerous, and mm-hmm. you're both dry. And, you know, he got you down, but he defended perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, and then. Yeah, he's a tough guy. Not a lot of people recognize him in the welterweight division right now. Well, he's so strong. He's so strong so at 170. So technical, too, man. Yeah. It's crazy. And getting down to 170, you see him very technical, but also, like, physically strong. Like the Rick yeah. Story fight. Yeah. You know, no one's ever taken Story down like that. Yeah, he crushes him. people. Crushes John Fitch. Yeah. Like, no one ran through Fitch like that at the time. He John Fitch Fitch. <laughs> I know. Right? Be, yeah, it's true. I mean, that's what Fitch would do to guys. Yeah. He would outgrapple them and beat them down. Yeah. That's another issue that I wanted to bring up is weight cutting. Like, yeah. That's, that sort of highlights why, like, weight cutting, fuck, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's reality. Mm-hmm. How much do you cut? Um, well, right now I'm about 200. Jesus Christ, son. Yeah, but I'm not like jacked. Wait, well, tall guy? How tall were you? Six, six foot. two, six one, six, six foot. foot. Yeah, I'm, you um, said it, and I added an inch to you for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's not too hard for me, actually. I just diet. So for you two months. normally naturally weigh two hundred pounds, pounds yeah. and then like the week of the fight, how much do you weigh? Uh, the like before the fight. Yeah, like, like uh, the, I'll be on like one eighty. Two, one eight two. So you yeah. lose somehow or another eighteen pounds along the way. And how are you doing that? Just diet, man. Healthy eating. But you're not a lot fat. Of exercise. You don't, I would never imagine that you no, have eighteen pounds of fat. No, but I'm not like I'm not ripped all year round. Mm-hmm. I'm only I'm only really cut when I'm cutting weight for my fight. I have a lot of extra excess weight, I mm-hmm. guess, water weight or whatever you want to call it. Do you watch your diet all year round, or when you don't have a fight, you fuck off? Pretty much. I like to eat kind of healthy, but yeah, I definitely. But you like to go off. Yeah. What do you think about guys who? Well, you're a pretty extreme weight cutter. Then I mean, that's that's not really though, because it's not hard for me. No. No, it's it's really not. Like if you ask my coaches, like I'm just cruising. Well, 182 the week of is not bad. You know. Yeah, I get down there pretty comfortable, and then it's just like I don't eat too much, and 
you know, I, I manage my water levels properly and I, I'm exercising and I have a, a good system. It works for me. That is another issue, though, that goes along with training for a fight, the issue of dehydrating yourself, essentially, and getting down to 170 pounds for a brief amount of time. Mm. And then when you step into the octagon, what do you weigh? I'll put 185. So not bad. So yeah. you're not straining yourself too much. You don't deplete your body too much. I feel good. Um, a lot of the times I feel like I could fight when I when I get on the scale. Really? Yeah, I really don't feel bad at all. That's nice to hear because there are some guys that push it so far. Yeah, I've had that in the past like where I just do like I just cut water. Mm-hmm. But now I diet the weight off naturally and I feel great. So is it just a matter of like being a bit more disciplined in your camp? Yeah. With your um, diet? Nutrition is a big part of it. and you know, I use... Um, do you know who George Lockhart is? No. Uh, he's a nutritionist, uh, ex-fighter, and, uh, yeah, he's got a good system. Um, I think his website is uh, Fitness VT. So he's one of those Dolce-type dudes. He, I think he's a bit different than Dolce. In what way? He's <laughs> not a marketing machine? No, and I think he's just a little more natural. <laughs> a little more natural? Use, yeah. What are you well, trying to say, dude? Spell it out. Spit uh, it out. I don't know. I've heard things. What have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> you talking about like diuretics? I don't know what they're doing over there, but uh, it's not for me. Well, that was BJ's accusation. Yeah, <clears throat> the diuretic thing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't like to play with any of that. I like to keep it natural and uh, have a healthy, uh, nutrient-rich body. You know, and let my skill do the work for me. Well, apparently you can use diuretics that are natural, though, like uh, vitamin C in high doses. Is apparently a natural diuretic, and okay. that's what uh, they say Dolce uses. Okay, it's one of the things that he does. I have no idea what his system is. Yeah, I don't know either. But a lot of guys have been popped for diuretics in the past, and none okay. of Dolce's guys have. Okay. So I don't know if what he's doing. I mean, there's, there's, it's like performance enhancing drugs or performance enhancing substances. It's, it's a such a strange thing because there are nutrients that you can isolate in levels that you would normally never get in food. You know, you can take nutrients and I, that are healthy and normal. But you extract them from food, you take them in pill form, and they can, without a doubt, improve your performance. Okay. But those are legal because they're essentially food-based supplements. Okay, that, yeah. You like know what I'm vitamins saying? Vitamins and nutrients, yeah. Vitamins, nutrients. Yeah, well, that's things na- like, na- natural things, Cordyceps, right? mushrooms, thing, things along those lines. Those an opt- um, it allows you – the Chinese Olympic team used it, and we actually have some here. I'll, I'll give you some before. It's totally safe. It's called Shroom Tech. You ever heard of Shroom Tech Sport? Yeah. It uh, it allows your body to better utilize oxygen. It actually came mm-hmm. from high altitude herding populations had found that their cows were eating these mushrooms mm-hmm. that were growing and they were more active. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh, initially how it was discovered. They actually grow it on caterpillars. It's okay. really kind of fucking freaky. Yeah, but so these this is a natural 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 nutrition mm-hmm. and exactly. uh, nutrients and things that you know it's this isn't like EPO or something exactly yeah exactly yeah if it it's natural and you know it's I think that's that should be allowed, right? Yeah. You know? but, but then you get things like creatine, yeah. which is also kind of natural, but you're taking it in forms where you would never that, get it from meat. Is that beneficial know? to a fighter, though? Creatine? I don't know. There's been studies. There's been studies that say that creatine improves uh, physical strength, and, but there's also been studies that say it makes it, you retain water, which is one of the last things that a fighter would want, especially when you're about to cut weight. 
I don't really take too many supplements, so I'm not really educated on on it too much. I, I take the like, protein and like BCAAs and stuff. What kind of protein do you use? Do you use plant based or? Uh, yeah, whey? I use Vega. And mm-hmm. that's good stuff. Stuff in, in the past, yeah. Do you use whey whey protein at all? No, no, just mostly plant based. Yeah, I'm, and you know what? I don't do it all the time. I just I kind of use it once in a while. And so this guy I should probably use more supplements. I, I I think eating good really helps me. Yeah. Oh, and for sure. A lot of I drink a lot of water. Do you drink? Uh, well, you you have a coffee there. That's, yeah. Is that I coffee? Drink, yeah, That's, I like coffee. Do you fuck around with that like the week of the fights? And All stuff, the time. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't seem to mess with you. Doesn't bother me. Yeah. Tito Ortiz used to say that coffee fucks with your cardio, but I've never heard that before. <laughs> you know, the fact I've heard it, it helps. I haven't had a problem with it. I this, have a coffee a day usually. What is this nutrition guy again? What's his name? George, George Lockhart. Lockhart. Yeah. And does he propose or, or prescribe meals for you? Does he like? Set yeah, like he'll up have like you? a meal plan and stuff, and like um, he'll he'll balance it for your work schedule. Like uh, he he does it for like regular people, and then like you know athletes and fighters and stuff. So you could punch in like your workout schedule. Uh, it's detailed, like how much you're walking that day, how much you're sitting down, how much you're sleeping, um, all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, how much body fat you are, how tall you are, what your goals are. So it's a whole like system he has in place. So he's very specific. Yeah. Oh yeah. This guy knows his stuff. If you ever talk to him, it's just like, like 90% of the things just go right over your head because he's just like, (laughs) he's using words that you've never heard of and he's talking fast and. He's a smart guy. He's one of those dudes. You have to ask him like three times the same question to like kind of feel a little bit like you know what he's talking about. So do you um, just get a plan from him or does he actually cut yeah. make the meals for no, you? No, no, it's just like the plan. I, so you do all the preparation and everything yourself? Yeah, yeah. You do all your own shopping, from yeah. stuff like that? You yeah. cook for yourself, all that jazz? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when it comes to portions, do you measure them out? Yeah. I've kind of like figured it out now, like this kind of general size. But at the, when I first started, yeah, it was like weighed and stuff. Now, what about like green leafy vegetables, things along those lines? Is he, yeah, is he strong on that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All types of different vegetables. It's mostly vegetables, I guess. And what what, is, what source of protein? And, uh, there's nuts for like snacks and stuff, and then you know chicken breast. Certain fish like salmon, um, filet mignon, um, pork tenderloin. There's a few different ones. So essentially mostly low-fat type stuff. Yeah. And do you get your fats from like avocado or coconut oil? Avocado, yeah. Coconut oil is another one. There's the nuts again, almonds and stuff, walnuts. That's very interesting to me as well that this is something that people are realizing within the last few, you know, decade or so that like healthy fats are just as important as nutrients. It's a very important part of your diet. A lot of energy comes from that. If you take that stuff out, your brain fucking dries up. (laughs) When I've I've tried like taking fats out of my diet, like way back in the day, I've experimented with different diets. And one of the things that I found is I got stupid. Like my (laughs) brain wasn't working as well. Like I could feel the difference. Yeah. You need to, like, oil your brain with that. <laughs> <laughs> or something. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know what the exact mechanism is. Yeah. but There's flaxseed oil, too, mm-hmm. fish oils, stuff like that. Yeah. You take tablet fish oil, or do you use, t- um, uh, like, a s- tablespoons? Yeah, like liquid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the liquid stuff is a little bit easier to digest. You don't have to deal with that um, 
the gelatin that comes on the outside, okay. which is, you know, essentially just animal hooves and shit like okay. that that they turn into gel. I'm I take sure. vitamins, gel capsules and vitamins. So. Mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't had a problem with that. And does this guy George Z measure all this stuff out for you as well and tell you um, what to take? And yeah, it's it's all like portioned out on the the site for you. Do you get blood work done? Um, I haven't. I I I've uh, I've got prescription to like measure like all like my nutrient levels, and I've just been too lazy to go get it done. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous, though. You're a professional fighter I know. at the highest level of the game. Yeah, and I'm. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just, I just um, procrastinator with it because, you know, one day I'll I'll feel like crappy and I'll I'll be talking to my osteopath and he'll be like, go get these blood work done, see what your deficiencies are. So I'll go get a prescription and I'll never go do it. I'm scared of needles. It's a big thing. You're scared of needles? Get yeah. the fuck out of here! Yeah, really? I pass out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's not joking. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. You're not a, scared to fight in a cage. I've passed out many times uh, doing like uh, IVs or stuff like that. Really? Yeah, man. I hate it. I so, hate like, it. when you're rehydrating, like when they give you an IV, you you pass out. Yeah. You faint essentially. Yeah, you call it and pain. then I wake up and everyone's looking at me. <laughs> I've almost attacked for Oz and a couple of guys because I've you woken up and didn't know where I was, and I was just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. I used to date this girl who couldn't even watch someone get a needle in a movie. She would black out. Yeah. Yeah, if I think about it too hard, then I'll, like, get, like, my stomach will, like... That's so weird. Yeah. But that's so illogical. I don't understand what that is. And it only happened, like, it only started happening, like, four or five years ago. Really? Before, like, blood, like, because you have to get blood work done for the fights, right? Right. Past, like, your HIV and all that stuff. And before, I would just be like, yeah, and... It's done. Walk away. Now, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, every time I see a needle coming my way, I, my fa- my face will get white and just, <laughs> for no reason. That's so strange. So I have to like get on my phone like this. I have to lay down. Like it's a whole. And you process. have to like look away and look at oh, your yeah. phone. Oh yeah, distract myself. Wow. Even talking about it right now, I like get like. Ugh. That's so strange. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, it was. It would make more <laughs> sense if it was something you always had. Yeah, it's so weird. Like my ex-girlfriend, her dad had it, and she said that her dad, one time um, her uh, brother got like a severe sunburn, and he had blisters all over him, and the dad saw it, and the dad fainted. <laughs> and what's crazy is the dad was a fucking doctor. He was, was, a, he, was a oh, dent- yeah? he was a dentist. Oh, okay. So I'm like, how the fuck is this guy like, I mean, obviously he must deal with some fucked up shit and f- gory things. Yeah. Pulling you have to teeth put and needles in, in dentistry too. Yeah. Weird. Well, he, I guess he was okay with needles, but he would see certain things. Like, he saw his son with blisters. He's like, thump. Oh, that's it's weird. falls down on the fucking beach. Blisters? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, like, from the, from the sun, from yeah. the sunburn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he apparently had a really bad sunburn. Yeah, But she was it's, like... It's weird. It's fucking weird, right? Yeah, It's strange. in her family, I guess. But it's weird that you acquired it. That's very strange. Out of strange. nowhere. It was just like one... It was I was doing blood work for uh, a fight... I was at the hospital, and I was just like an every day, and then I passed out. And ever since then, it happens, so I have to be really careful. That's fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Have you talked to a psychologist about that? No. No? Probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to know if there's like a coping mechanism for that. Yeah. I'll probably just overcome it. Hmm. Maybe now. Maybe now you'll be thinking about this conversation. People are going to be bringing it up. <laughs> 
sports psychology is a very interesting thing to me. And uh, I've actually uh, thought about using a sports psychologist for stand-up, for stand-up okay. comedy. Because I'm like, I don't think anybody's ever done that before. Right. But like, I'm, I bet, because a lot of camps incorporate sports psychologists as yeah, a I've heavy part it. of their regimen. And uh, like Ryan Parsons, who, uh, you know, he trains uh, Dennis Bermudez and he handles uh, Pat Cummins, a lot of good guys. And he's big on that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've always been fascinated by sports. I've never, I've never actually sat down with a psychologist Neither and gone I. over my own brain. Neither have I. I don't know what they would talk about. Like, what would what would they tell me? I don't know. To do differently. For you? They'd probably watch that video of you staring. And they'd be like, they'd be like you're, you're good, 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 good. You're good. <laughs> Keep whatever that zone. is, that place, go to maybe, that yeah, place. Yeah, maybe they help you get into that <laughs> zone, right? Yeah. Right. Well, that's what I would wonder is yeah. for some guys – it becomes necessary after a loss because mm. after a loss, um, you know, there, there are people that have, I guess the best way to describe it would be unrealistic expectations or unrealistic perceptions of who they are. They like to think of themselves as being absolutely different from everybody else. And, you know, they're a champion. It's going to happen. They're going to beat everybody. And then they get beat. They're like, fuck, I can't believe I lost. Like and it becomes a real issue restructuring their mindset, like re reestablishing their confidence. Mm, yeah, interesting. I know George used one. I think yeah, a while ago. I don't think he always did it, but I think he tried it. David Loazzo, I think, did it too. Well, Loazzo had some real problems, right? Anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't have those until he lost, or he lost to Rich Franklin. Yeah, and that's I think when that's, all those came. I think it, that started it. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I can't. Well, that was a brutal fight. That was a that brutal, was yeah. That was a war. Brutal war. fight. Yeah, it was one of Rich's uh, biggest victories, and it was when Rich was in his prime, and it was just a beating. And yeah. David was really never the same after that fight. No. Yeah. When uh, George used it, was it was post the Matt Sarah fight? I have no idea when it was. I never really asked him about it too much. Well, he seems like the type of guy that would try everything. He's very open-minded, you know? Yeah. I'm, if someone tells him something with enough confidence, he'll be interested in it. <laughs> well, he's so open. I mean, I, I was amazed that he was willing to work out with me. When I told him that I, I could help him with a spinning back kick technique, yeah. I, was, I thought he was like, yeah, 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 let me get to you on that. You know, but he's very open. He's very, Oh, yeah, yeah. As far as know, learning things, yeah, yeah, yeah man. He'll, he has this, like, I'll try he's got, anything. He's got the beginner's mindset. Yes. Almost yeah. too much, though. Because, like, that's fault, how he got yeah, roped into that fucking witch doctor dude who's <laughs> rubbing on his chest yeah, and giving yeah. him voodoo moves yeah. and shit. He's very, like, uh, he's like a child almost in that sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's he, he's very optimistic in that sense, like... Uh, some, everyone's always trying to help him and stuff. But. Yeah, they were explaining to me what this guy was doing to him, that he was, like, changing his chakras and his meridians and all this shit. And I go, it's whoa, 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 bullshit. whoa. Yeah, I was going, what the fuck's going on? I was like, you giving this guy money? Hold yeah. on. Yeah. Explain this again. What the fuck are you saying? Do you really think there's one guy that can do this? And there's no one else in the world of the Olympics, elite athletes in football, NBA, boxing, f fill in the blank. Millions and millions, fucking billions of dollars on the line in all these sports. Yeah. And there's one dude who knows how to rub on your fucking chest and turn From you into a superhero. What I heard, um, this guy's this witch doctor guy. I never met him. I met him. But, yeah? Yeah. I never met him. <laughs> Um, Dana was the one who actually called him the witch doctor and he, he claimed that as his name after. Like Dana called him as a goof. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you're like a witch doctor. 
What's and then he was like, yeah, guys? I'm a witch doctor. I'm the witch doctor. You know? <laughs> like, he's just a fucking lunatic. I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about this situation. I wasn't around for it, but... I'm always astounded hilarious. that elite, high-level, alpha male competitors, like fighters, getting fuckered by bullshit. Like, there's been a few Everyone's guys Everyone's looking like for the advantage, right? Everyone's yeah. looking for the next thing, but... Really, I think it's 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 in your head. Oh, no doubt. One guy yeah. I talked to actually admitted to me that what he was doing was all in your head. Like he tried to, like everybody was telling me, like I, you know, I've always had neck and back problems just from jujitsu, and this guy was working on me, and he was like doing some weird shit where he was like pressing the back of my head, mm-hmm. he was, like telling me that he could tell like where my issues were by pressing the back of my head, and like does this hurt? No, does this hurt? And then and then he would like press one spot harder. Mm-hmm. He was like, does that hurt? I go, well, you just pressed it harder, <laughs> and like we had this little like weird looking at each other, funny, and then I go, what exactly are you doing? And we got into yeah. like the you know he tried to like give me his spiel, and okay, let's try this again. What exactly are you doing? Like, yeah. what exactly are you doing? Yeah. And what is, essentially he was saying, yeah. in a roundabout sort of a way, was that if you believe in what he's doing, then it becomes like a placebo effect yeah, thing. Placebo, yeah. But I'm like, but you can't just bullshit me. You can't bullshit me because I'm too curious. Mm-hmm. If you bullshit me, I'm going to ask questions, and I need to know whether or not I'm being bullshitted. But it's kind of fucked because if I just let him bullshit me, mm-hmm. maybe I would have had a better result. Mm-hmm. But I was... You know, I was just like, oh, like fighters, like you a see fucking these, high level guys. Yeah. You see uh, this all the time, like with those little plastic wristbands yes! with the shiny little tinfoil yes! on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's going to help me be a better athlete. Fucking Mike Goldberg. Mike Goldberg, <laughs> one time. We were in Vegas, and he had a couple of drinks, and he's telling me how amazing these are. He's wearing one of these fucking stupid things on his wrist, <laughs> and he's telling me how amazing it is, and makes he introduces me to these guys that are selling them, yeah. and they try to do these carnival tricks on you. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about. Yes! They do different little tests with your body, like push down one arm. Or, yes! Yeah. <laughs> but... If you understand jujitsu, you know he's changing the leverage points. Yeah, like he's like he's like doing it like this, and then like you know he'll like go further out in your arm. Like now try, and you're like, well, you're over there now. Get the fuck over here. (laughs) Do it the way you did it first. I know. You know, it's like okay, now resist me. Okay, now resist me. Works on some people, man. Dude, Shane Carwin had one on. Vanderlei had one on. Carwin was telling me how it helped his back. Mike Over said, my back's never been better. Two years later, it fucking disfused. Of course. What the fuck are you talking about, (laughs) man? This guy's, he's got a rubber band on your wrist with fucking shiny, shiny plastic. Yeah, I guess maybe it's some people's human instinct to like, look for that edge. Yeah, look for that edge. And believe it. And believe it. And actually feel better. Actually feel better. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? It's totally crazy. The mind, the mind yeah, the mind is so powerful, it's insane. It's amazing. It is amazing it, that some people The power of belief is yeah. is uh is something to be said, you know. Well, I was reading this thing where they were talking about injuries and that in certain injuries, you know, people get atrophy after the injury because they don't use the muscle while it's healing. Right. But if you spend X amount of time doing visualization exercises, and X amount of time visualizing, actually using those specific muscle groups, yeah. they don't atrophy. Right. Yeah, I've I've heard of that. What the fuck, man? Yeah, your your imagination. I I think about like all different kinds of things like that when I'm daydreaming. And I find it helps me. Oh, it, it must. Yeah. I mean, mindset are, is so important. We think about the mind is the control panel for the body. That's what's executing all those moves. And one of the things 
about you when it comes to competition that I think freaks people out is how calm you stay and how how dead eyed like that that video mm. where you're just standing there staring and not blinking like mm. that dead eyed calmness that's that's not giving into anxiety that's not yeah. having extraneous yeah. thoughts i don't need to bounce around yeah. and, and beat my chest before the fight you know it just doesn't make a difference for me but some guys do yeah it gets you hyped up yeah yeah I don't need to get hyped up. But, like, when you think about it, like, the one guy that everybody was so impressed with for throughout his career was Fedor. Because he just was dead face, too. Yeah, yeah. And he, he just, just turns it on when the bell rings. Yeah, exactly. Didn't need to. And he used to say that, like, showing anger or showing emotion was a sign of weakness. And that yeah. you should be focused entirely on your task yeah. and nothing else. I can agree with that. But you don't have, like, this isn't something that you've, like worked out with a coach or that you I think it's just experience over the years learning yourself is it from observing other people that are also good at it i think it's self-experience and yeah maybe i don't know i don't know why it happened all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> just just did <laughs> it's just your thing yeah it's just my thing you found your groove. hey you got a washroom yeah, you gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah, you gotta yeah. pee. Good. Yeah. It's right through that door. Okay. These I'll be right back. Goddamn athletes and their small bladders. That's what happens. They're always drinking that water. To the right or left? Right through the door, right on your right hand side, right there. Uh, Rory McDonald, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, during this intermission, this brief intermission, why uh, Rory does his pee pees, <clears throat> I would like to announce well, actually, the show. Tomorrow night at the Ice House is basically sold out. I think it's sold out because it's a ridiculous lineup. Yeah. It's Bill Burr, Chris D'Elia, Brian Callen, Ian Edwards, Tony Hinchcliffe, and me. I do it every year. Uh, every year I do a night before Thanksgiving because I'm almost always home with my family during Thanksgiving. Um, we actually talked about going places for Thanksgiving, but that seems like a goddamn nightmare place or nightmare time to travel. <clears throat> but that shit is uh, basically sold out. Um, and then the next gig I have to, after that is December 12th on the road in Phoenix, Arizona with, uh, Tony Hinchcliffe at the Celebrity Theater. Uh, everybody that tuned in to, uh, Rocky Mountain High that was on Comedy Central, thank you so much. This was, I think, my best one. I always say that, but this one I really do think was my best one. And it was without a doubt the best received one. My last one was, it just wasn't, it, I think I wasn't doing as much stand-up while I was doing it. And um, for whatever reason, you know, a lot of people didn't like it as much. They felt like I fell off a little bit. So I worked really hard on this one. And uh, <clears throat> it paid off. So I appreciate the fuck out of that. And I'm working hard. as cra crazy. I just did my first totally new hour this past weekend at the Ontario Improv. So everybody came down for that. Thank you. I had a great fucking time. And he's back, ladies and gentlemen. So <clears throat> when you were 18 and you first started going to TriStar and mm -hmm. uh, you made your move up to uh, Montreal, how uh, beneficial was it for you as a young guy to be able to train with the welterweight champion? It was awesome. Fuck, a huge <laughs> yeah, opportunity, was, right? Yeah, and, and not only that, like, George was, like, such a nice person, like, Probably one of the more welcoming persons there. You know, like, he really was like, oh, wow, you know, you're really good. He was very complimentary to me. Not only let me train, but, you know, he took me around Montreal, you know, talked to me outside of the gym, invited me back to stay with him, you know, uh, for training trips and things like that. Like, 
you know, such a, such a cool experience and an awesome part of my life. Yeah. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. That's incredible. (laughs) He really is. It's, it's so hard to believe that he's this fucking trained killer, you know, he's a beast, man. (laughs) Because he's so (laughs) nice. He's so nice, but not worried about competition. That's what I find fascinating that there's some guys like you remember the, uh, the whole thing with Rashad and John Jones, like they were worried about bringing guys in. Mm, Like I might have to fight this guy someday. Yeah. He welcomed it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's fat. I, I find that. I really never forgot it either. A lot of people now are like asking me to fight him and this and that. You know, I think it's, they don't see the, uh, the things that I, I, you know, I got to see and I, I, that I appreciate uh, not only is like a martial arts, but, you know, for myself, you know, I learned so much from him and I, I gained a lot from, you know, his kindness and uh, what he gave to me. And I, I'm not going to forget that and stab him in the back, you know. Right. What would happen, though? If you do eventually win the title and George does come back. I think he'd just do super fights. You think so? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Like they almost 100%. Offered you a fucking boatload of cash and the two of you got together. Well, you know what? <clears throat> Life's not about money. No? Obviously, you know, uh, you know, I'm doing this for money also, but it's not. It, it's, it has never been my goal to be a fucking billionaire. Right. I'm gonna live in the woods one day, and <laughs> so it's just, I don't really. Are you? Yeah, for sure, man. Really? What yeah. are you gonna do out there? Hunt. Just be weird. Yeah, it'd be weird. Run around naked. I have, to, I have to hear people call me a fucking psycho all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and just be what? <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, well, people probably don't call I, you a psycho in real life because in real life you're really yeah. normal. Yeah, no. It's just it. they know you from the moment you step into that cage. Yeah, and yeah. that's when they just you see what the media shows them for sure. Yeah, that's what. Well, you know. What everybody sees is a fucking yeah. camera on you. You're, you're fucking psycho. Yeah. And let's re- look at. Well, I'll play that video again. Dude. No. no. <laughs> so you eventually going to live in the woods for real? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But that's that's the thing uh, that I've been thing I've been trying to overcome is like how am I going to train martial arts and and live in the woods? Live in the woods and have a family. So I'm going to have to have like some kind of thing worked out. Well, you just got to live close enough to a city. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. I don't want to be close to anyone. Uh, how far away do you want to be? Far. Like helicopter rescue that far? That would be awesome. <laughs> 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 what is it about wanting to get away? Like, why I don't do you know. I, 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 hate, I just don't like being in the city. Really? I grew up... Um, I grew up in like, you know, nature and stuff mm-hmm. in my early like childhood and stuff. And then I got tossed around the city you know having to live with parents that moved moved away and stuff so i prefer to be out in nature well you know what you could do you could start your own gym you know yeah like you yeah. are at a Who point knows what's gonna happen i mean you think about it you're at a point right now in your career that if you started a gym today people would flock to it and the Maybe. more you accomplish <clears throat> in your career I mean, it wouldn't even necessarily be a gym that you would have to teach at, mm-hmm. but just hire. Have my name. Yeah, yeah right. use your name. I've thought about it. Maybe a, an affiliate of TriStar or something like that. Yeah, that would be cool too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna see what happens comes my way. I definitely plan on have, having a home in the woods. So, I love being in the woods. Yeah, I, yeah. I you you started hunting and while. bow hunting and stuff. Yeah, man. that's so cool, man. I bought I my it. dad a bow for his, his 50th birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. That's cool. What kind? Um, I forget the name of it. It's a it's a compound bow though. I lost a few of his arrows. <laughs> a few. It's not measured yeah. for me, right? So it was right. like 
it wasn't working for me. But, yeah, uh, that's the thing about bows, especially compound so bows. Compound bows, very specifically, yeah. you have to get a measure to your draw length and yeah. the amount of weight you pull back. And then the arrows have to be weighted to the correct bow. Yeah. You know, you can't have an arrow that's too light or an arrow that's too heavy. And then you have to sight use the, the sight because bows have a sight on them. Mm-hmm. And that has to be accurately judged based on the weight of the arrow, the speed of the arrow, the poundage of the pull. So many details. There's a lot of details. I like guns better, <clears throat> personally. But. Well... What I like about guns is that they're really effective. Like mm-hmm. I shot a moose a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And, uh, boats? In uh, BC. Actually. No way. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Where, what area? Um, I'll tell you. The place is called uh, Big Country Outfitters. And it's oh, okay. in, in like the mid-northern got... mid, mid-BC. Mid okay. So maybe wolves. like caribou or something? <clears throat> no. I don't think they – well, I bet there's some caribou. No, no. There. The area. The oh, car- yes. Caribou. Yes, that's, caribou. That's exactly. where I was born. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's crazy. It's yeah. north of that's that. Where I grew up. It's yeah. a little bit north of that. They yeah. were about I want to say like an a little less than an hour north of Caribou. That's where okay. we were. Okay. Cool. Fuck, we saw some big moose, dude. Yeah, man. God damn. The one I shot was pretty big. I mean, it was young. It was only like 900 pounds. For a moose, <laughs> that's not that big a deal. <laughs> Which is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> You're saying 900 pounds is not that big. But we saw one. We saw one that was like fucking Jurassic Park. Right. We only saw it like briefly for a second. Mm-hmm. There was all these females. There's all these cows that were big. You know, they're probably nine hundred to a thousand pounds. And this motherfucker was twice as big as them, <laughs> with this enormous ass, like this huge legs. They were just towering, and then he just disappeared in the woods. But we were like, holy wow. shit! And they have those out there. These just giant fucking moose. Yeah, BC is amazing, and so many wolves that they encourage people to kill them. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's uh, they become like pests. Well, where we were, the guy, um, his neighbor got uh, a cow taken by yeah. wolves. Like they're in their house and they hear howls and crazy shit, and they look out the window. There's like twenty wolves ripping a cow apart. Yeah, that happens. They, they um, wolves aren't bad though, but there's just a lot of them right now in BC. Well, you know, there's balance to the ecosystem. Yeah, exactly, and they're very important to that. Sure. Yeah, for all sorts of reasons, to keep rodents down and to keep populations healthy and to make sure that... And they catch the diseased animals usually in like the like the big packs of caribou that move. Mm-hmm. They uh, they usually catch like the sick ones and they... The weak ones, yeah. yeah. It's when they get out of whack, when there's too many of them and that can happen. They get on these just giant super packs. Mm-hmm. They have a big issue with that in Russia. Oh, yeah? There was a... Yeah, a couple of years ago, there was these super packs that were taking out horses they were like a hundred wolves strong, which is really nuts. And they would—that's <laughs> insane—take a fucking horse out. Wow. Would you live up there, like that kind of area? Where? Up, like near Caribou? Is that where you'd live? Yeah, yeah, probably. Roy McDonald, Mixed Martial Arts Academy, yeah. set it up. People come, <laughs> yeah. live in the woods. Yeah, maybe. That'd be awesome. Who knows what'll happen? Well, you're living in like a pretty metropolitan area. Yeah. I mean, you're living in Montreal. Yeah. Do you live in like an apartment, like yeah, in the apartment. city? Yeah. yeah, that's got to be weird then. It sucks. You don't like it? <laughs> no. What is the, the issue? Is it too much noise, too many people? Yeah, I just prefer to be with, like, trees and lakes and less, like, craziness and honking and mm-hmm. the anxiety of the, that comes along with the city. Something about it. I, I can't really explain it. I grew up with it, right? So it's like that's what I always look back on in my best times. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, I always find it weird that some people love it. Like, uh, 
my manager lives in New York City, yeah. and he loves it. He loves yeah, it. He feeds crazy, off yeah. the city. I have to go in the park every day when I when I train there to like balance out. I hate it there. Really? <laughs> yeah, I hate the city. So what do you do? You just go feed pigeons or some shit? Yeah, walk around, chill out, <laughs> <laughs> just relax. Yeah, man. Do you have um, like? Things that you do, like do you do you meditate? Do you do anything to try to calm yourself down? No, I I think a lot. I daydream a lot, so maybe that's meditation for me. Kind of in a way, just yeah. not not discipline. Yeah, it's not like discipline. No. Have you ever fucked around with the sensory deprivation tank? No, but I just texting you. I want to yes. do that, man. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. Faraz wants to do it too. Let's, I'll hook it up. Yeah. I'm sure there's got to be a place in Montreal. I know there's a big place oh, yeah. in Vancouver that opened up recently. Uh, that would <clears> make sense there, yeah. Yeah, Frankie Edgar was just tweeting me today. He just did his uh, first session today. Does it, t- it takes like a few times to learn how to relax, you were saying, right? Yeah. Well, it, I wouldn't say it takes a few times to learn how to relax, but just to be comfortable with the experience, it becomes a normal okay. thing. Right. You know, it's it's so weird. There's so much... So much strangeness to it the first time you do it okay. that I think you get more out of it when you do it two, three, or four times. Okay. <clears throat> like, I have one in my house, so to me, going in it is like a normal right. everyday thing. It's right. like, okay, I'm going in the tank now, and like I tell my wife, shower. leave me alone. I'll be right. I'll be back in a couple hours. Okay. And I just go in there. And hours, huh? Yeah, I like to do two hours. Okay, cool. I can do like one hour, like if I know I have a show. Like if yeah. I have to leave the house at seven for a show, mm-hmm. I can I can go in at five and go in for an hour and a half or something and take a shower. But mm-hmm. I prefer it at night when my family's asleep. Okay, everyone's conked out. I right. like to go in there because then I know I'm just going to go on my own. I'm not, there's no other energy in the house. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Like I do all my best writing when everyone's asleep, and it's. You know, when you have a family, especially, you're always managing shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's always like things like oh, she took my thing. Calm down, everybody, relax. Yeah. And there's always, you know, it's hard to write yeah. when all that's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's way hard to like relax. Like mm-hmm. if I was in the tank and I heard screaming from upstairs, like oh, gotta get out of the fucking tank. Yeah. Who's yelling at who? Who right. did what? You know? Yeah, that would that would suck. Yeah, so it's it's best in a state of complete quiet you yeah. know if you can if you can isolation yeah and peaceful yeah for sure and then you enter into it and it's like think about the most peace that you've ever found when you're in the woods and nature and, and multiply that by a hundred really because yeah. it removes your body it removes all the input of your body because wow. you're floating you feel like you're flying yeah it's it's crazy <laughs> that's intense it's very intense and it's crazy to me that I'm the guy who keeps telling people about it. I'm like, how is this not way more popular? Right. I've never understood it. I'm like, how is it, like, why do you have to hear from me? Like, how is this not, like, a huge Mainstream part thing. of so many people's lives? Especially when you think of how much of every, when we were talking about the mind and how much of effect the mind has on your performance mm-hmm. and how important it is to mm-hmm. achieve certain mindsets. Right. There's no better place to get to know your fucking brain than right. in that tank. And I would think with so many people being so performance-oriented and Mm goal-oriented and achievement-oriented, that that would be a huge tool. Yeah, it makes complete sense to me, right? We're going to get you in there. We'll get you in there. As soon as we get done with this podcast, I'm going to call up Crash at the Float Lab, and we'll hook something up. Okay, awesome. Where are you staying while you're in town? Uh, By LAX. Oh, perfect. Because he's in Venice. So okay, that's not far. Like, yeah, it's like 15 minutes away. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, I'm down. Perfect. Yeah, I'm down here until like the 4th, 
I leave to Vegas. Nice. Yeah. So you're down here just doing the thing, having a good time, yeah. getting some training in. Ho- yeah, hopefully training with as much people as possible. Is that, when you come into town, like a place like that, mm-hmm. is it difficult to arrange that or does everybody just welcome you with open arms? Um, I don't know. I haven't really, I haven't trained with anyone yet, so hopefully it's... You haven't tried that before? No, uh, in Cali, no, it's my no? first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just showed up? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll probably, like, try to, like, you know, want to go check out Eddie's place mm-hmm. and George has spent some time here, so hopefully he'll get me, uh, see Freddie and... Freddie Roach. Yeah, so network with people and hopefully i can get a, a spot with uh different gyms and see what it's all about when that well, how does that work like when you if you train with a guy like freddie roach you have to pay him or does Not it sure. take in you don't know i don't know either one's fine right you like just got to get in the work yeah yeah if i have to pay him no problem with that what about muay thai are you looking to do some muay thai when you're yeah. down too yeah yeah anything i'd actually i want to learn uh your sidekick and back kick man oh, i'll be happy yeah yeah man. let's work out yeah, definitely man. Cool. Be happy to show you some stuff. Yeah. Well, you're you're so flexible already, and you you throw so you have so much dexterity. With you. you you like that question mark kick. You throw that a, yeah. lot, a lot, right? Yeah. I yeah. I've been trying to get more dynamic with my kicking. So. Well, the front leg side kick is the one that I see making front a big leg, comeback yeah. in MMA. I mean, John Jones loves to do that to the thigh, yeah. and he even dropped Vitor to the body with that. Yeah, technique. he did. That was an awesome kick. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> that was a big kick. In uh, in my uh, arsenal, the front leg side kick, and I'm a short guy, but mm-hmm. my friend Larry, um, my friend Larry Jones, who was a, a high level black belt back in the day, okay, he was a tall guy. He was like six foot three, okay. and he was all legs. His legs would right. go up to his fucking rib cage, and this dude would just impale people with his front leg side kick. He just had developed something I've it. never worked. I'd love to work that. You know who's good at this? Cajun Johnson. He's oh got yeah, a good front leg yeah. side kick. Yeah, I'd definitely like to work that with you. Yeah, it's a weird technique because it's so effective at keeping distance from the guy, like a, a sideways stance. Like you're seeing that sideways stance play out like Wonder Boys really. Yeah, Stephen Thompson, say, yeah. really good at that sideways stance. Yeah, he's a really fucking interesting addition to uh, to yeah. the UFC. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I've I've trained with him before. <clears throat> His striking is amazing. Yeah. And he moves like a snake, you know, in and Such out, good and back movement. and forth, and and with a big cage too. That's so so hard to deal with, even right. for wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've always thought, I always wondered what the UFC would be like if it was in like a basketball sized place, like even like a metamorphosis like yes. style. Enormous. Just well, yeah. I don't like metamorphosis because it gets near the edge and looks like people are falling off. And, right. And yeah. like uh, you ever see Crone Gracie versus um, uh, what is his name, Aoki? Yeah, with the tights. Yeah. I, they got, like, right on the edge. It looked like they were going to separate, and Crone caught him with a guillotine. It oh, was, really? It was, like, a weird Like, sort they were going like, to break. And yeah, then, yeah. It was, it was a weird sort of it. When, you know, Crone gets a guillotine on you, you're, you're fucking toast. Problem. He's got a nasty fucking guillotine. His, yeah. his technique is so slick. It's but, so hard for to get a surface that works for, you know... People who want to come pay and watch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard. Well, it also, the cage kind of gets in the way a little bit mm-hmm. of the view, mm-hmm. you know? like but it's better than the ring at the same time, right? Right. For MMA. I think it's definitely better than the ring for MMA. Yeah. I think the ring is sloppy. Like, yeah. watching guys fall out of the ring or, who is it? Was it Paulo Filio? Someone caught someone in an arm bar where their arm was wrapped up in the ring. In the, in the rope. In the rope. Right. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Some, yeah, there's a, been a few guys like that. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, like, it's, an, it's a mess. And then um, they tried different things. 
like Frank Shamrock tried some weird thing at one point in time where it was like sort of like a swimming pool like surface. It's flat and then the edges were like ramped up a bit and then a cage. Yeah. No, no, that was like Yama. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yama pit fighting. That didn't work very well. (laughs) Well, that was Bob Myrowitz, who was the guy who was the first owner of the UFC. He created that Yama thing. Right. And that's just the fucking name. Like, someone should have said, yo, dude, you can't call it Yama. That's not catching on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're thinking, you know. Yeah. But um, the idea behind it is not the worst idea in the world. And World Combat League used something like that. Remember Chuck Norris's organization? It was yeah. a kickboxing oh, yeah, yeah. thing. And it had something Wonder similar. Boy was in that, too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the best guys in that. Yeah. yeah. That the World Combat League was kind of interesting. And yeah, now, it was some good fights. Yeah, and now you're seeing Glory. In uh, on Spike, which I think is pretty interesting too, you get to see uh, some really high level Muay Thai guys, but with like slightly different rules. Mm-hmm. I prefer the Muay Thai rules. Okay, I like the fact that they can clinch and elbow and and hold on and throw the less multiple knees. The better. Exactly. Yeah, and Muay Thai as an art form is so it's so fascinating to watch because you know I'm a big boxing fan. But the reality of boxing is, you know, there are there are masters like a like a Floyd Mayweather mm. who use it in this incredibly beautiful way to watch. You know, you you use you see the way he's using footwork and angles and countering and feints, and it's it's beautiful to watch it all mm-hmm. pull together. But then you see a guy who's like a real like a Kevin Ross type, you know, uses everything. Constantly using elbows, leg kicks, knees, clinch, throws right. it all together. Like Lion Fight, you watch Lion Fight. No. Lion Fight is a promotion out of Vegas, like one of the big uh, Muay Thai promotions in the United States. They're on Access TV all the time. I've never heard of it. Really yeah. high-level guys come over and uh, okay. they're fighting. Uh, like Thai guys are fighting. Like Yatsen Klai fight, fights for them. Okay. Mal- Malapet fights for them. Like real high-level Thai guys. Right. And they're using everything. It's okay. like a lot of clinching, a lot of knees, elbows. And it's beautiful because you get to see how this works, like how – you know, there's distances where, you know, you should punch. There's distances where you should kick. There's And, and then when you see it all combined, like mm-hmm. a really good, like a Kevin Ross type dude who's like right. combining it all together in, in perfect harmony, right. it's beautiful to watch. Yeah. It's such a – it's it's another style of – it's another art form, which I think a little bit is lost when you have something like Glory where you don't allow guys to clinch for – I think they have like a five-second rule or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not good. And you don't allow guys to pull down on the head and throw knees to the, it, to the head. It's bizarre. And no elbows, which is another yeah. thing that I think is kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm the same as you with the purest thing. The less restrictions, the better. And who do you do your Muay Thai with up in uh, Canada? For us. For us. Yeah. So for us is your Muay Thai coach. Yeah. Is he also, does he, I mean, he's obviously a very good grappler himself. Yeah, he's black belt and yeah. down her. Does he in uh, does he coach you on that too, or does he bring yeah. in someone else to do it? Or is it... no, he's he's like my he's the guy I go to pretty much for everything. But yeah, I'll go around and like I'll work uh, boxing with uh, Howard Grant and stuff. But most like almost everything I do with Faraz, we really have a, a close connection. And Faraz is uh, a lot of people uh, don't understand how skilled he is at everything. He's a really good wrestler jiu-jitsu and kickboxer and he understands it well and he knows how to teach it really well well you could tell just listening to him coach mm-hmm. you know his his take on things and the way he describes things 
yeah, like when they do interviews with him, like he, he doesn't have a cursory knowledge of it. It's pretty in depth. You could mm-hmm. you could pretty much tell that. He's mm-hmm. also obviously a very smart guy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he's got a degree, and you know, he, you know, he, he he's he's very uh, he knows how to speak well and express himself well. Do you see yourself after you're done fighting doing something like that? Do you coaching? see yourself coaching? Probably not. No. Yeah. Not interested. Maybe if the right guy came along or something, the right thing. I'd probably go on to something else in my life, though. Like what? I don't know. Find something, another interest that I want to, you know, dive into. Do you have, like, a long-term plan? Do you have, like, an idea of what you're... Just tomorrow. <laughs> Just tomorrow. <laughs> do you do you know, like, when you want to get out? Do you have an idea no in your clue. head? No. I always told myself I'm just going to do it until I don't like it anymore. That's pretty much how I... I operate my life. My brother laughs at me all the time because I just have, like, I don't have a plan. Yeah. I just do whatever's fun, and that's it. That must drive chicks crazy. Chicks hate that shit. <laughs> Where are we going to be a year from now? Where? What about five years from now, Rory? Yeah. But What's our long-term plan? My girlfriend, uh, she's, yeah, she's she's a little bit different from me in that, but it's kind of balances balances us out a right. little bit. But you know, she, she rolls with me. Uh, Pretty well. But yeah, I'm pretty random. <laughs> like, this trip was random. Totally. Totally random. I just decided, I was like, oh, I'm just going to stay in California. So you came out here to compete and said, fuck it, I'm just going to stay. That yeah. was the random aspect of it. But yeah. the competing part, how long did you plan it out to compete um, in That's actually was when I was training for the Tarek Safadine fight. I was eating and I was like, oh, I was thinking about jujitsu and I was like, I'd love to do Metamoris. So I texted uh, my manager to get in touch with them. They're like, oh, yeah, here's a name. And I'm like, okay, I'll. I'll I'll roll with him. That's, Do you have to run it. that shit by the UFC? Yeah, th- but they accept it right away. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I would I, think that, like, you could get an arm broken or some shit like that. Yeah, you got, well, I almost did. <laughs> yeah. You got caught, man, yeah. in a pretty deep Kimura. Yeah, my arm was hurting for a couple of days. It's just starting to feel better today. Did you think about tapping? No. So you're going to let him snap your arm? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude? Like, right now, I, pro- I feel like, yeah, if, like, before the match, I was like, yeah, I'd probably tap. But then when I was in the position, I was like, there's no fucking way I'm tapping. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy, though. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Well, there's that fine line between where you were, because you got out of it. Yeah. And, you know, getting it snapped. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, I still... And with that particular move, it's kind of hard to really do serious damage, because, you know, the legs and hips aren't under it. Right. But... But you watch like Frank Mir versus Big Nog. Yeah, like the, Ooh, that's a hard one to watch. Yeah, when you see that was more upper like upper arm. That was shatter. more like the. It was mm-hmm. bent over this way. Mine was like yeah. the straight arm lock. Right, right, right. So. <clears throat> yeah, but still, I mean, guys have gotten their elbows snapped on that yeah. one. Yeah, but that one, that Big Nog one, was an ugly one. Because yeah, when that upper arm snaps, for that, some reason that, that broke like here or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Real weird. Yeah. Well, Frank's a fucking big guy. He's a tank, yeah. And that was back when uh, testosterone replacement therapy <laughs> was legal. So you're allowed, oh, to, allowed to be uh, hopped up on the special sauce. That's weird, didn't it? That, that was legal? I don't know. So stupid. Strange. Yeah. I can't believe <clears throat> it was allowed. Well, it's strange medically, too, because it just shows you... How, they found a loophole. Yeah. You know? it's like, what also shows you w- what a piss poor job athletic commissions do <laughs> with recognizing what should and shouldn't be legal. It's insane. And, and, and a lot of the tests they do are like, it's like, there's like one to one. And then they should be able to test 
one-to-one and what's synthetic, you know, being replaced. They can only test, a lot of them only test for like one to six. So you could be one one to six synthetic steroids or whatever you're using, and you could still get away with it. Really? Yeah, I heard some crazy stuff like that. That's why the whole like Vada and Wada thing didn't work out. I'm mm. pretty sure, because Vada does the one to one. Oh, I don't know what you mean by like when you're saying one to one. What do you mean? Like they could test like your natural. T- I'm not super educated on it, mm-hmm. so maybe I I shouldn't be opening my mouth about it. But uh, like they could test synthetic steroids to your natural testosterone mm. levels. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're realizing now that they can test for everything. Like when Shell Sonnen got popped, you know, like yeah. this, the new shit that they're doing is but he was pretty way intensive. Over. Oh, he fucking. Well, that was during the Anderson Silva fight. His, yeah. his testosterone to epitestosterone, which I don't understand how that works, but it's essentially it's an indicator that you're using artificial testosterone. Um, yeah. But he got the most recent one we got suspended for two years he got popped for epo he got popped for clomid and all all sorts of shit growth hormone i mean he was on a cocktail that's crazy of different things yeah it makes you wonder i mean the testing could be better in my opinion though for sure i i think they should test to the maximum ability i think that would be the best sure but the problem is it's about forty thousand dollars that's what every blood test like that is. Mm. And they have this chain of custody where they take the blood from you. They fucking essentially put it in a suitcase, handcuff themselves to it, fly to the lab. Like if right. they have to come to you. There's a whole you, procedure, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did the VADA testing for the BJ Penn fight. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was BJ was... Uh, he asked me on Twitter if you, if for our fight we could do the VADA um, testing from a whole training camp. And they sponsored it. And so they took all the costs and everything and... Worked out great. We both obviously passed, and yeah, BJ. it was good. It was good for the sport, I think, and that's what George wanted to do with Hendrix. Mm-hmm. But you know, that whole debacle happened. Yeah, that was a that was a weird situation, right? The um, like George was upset at that after he left, and you know said that that was one thing that he wanted to stand up for. It was that mm-hmm. we need more testing in the we UFC. Do. Where where was that coming from from George? Like, what is what is his concern? That people are cheating, I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> a <But> lot. <laughs> specifically, does he know what they're doing or who or what? I don't know. I don't know. He just assumes or? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I. You know, every, there's rumors that fly around about everyone, right? I mean, I constantly get uh, messages on Twitter like, oh, you're because you have back acne or face acne or you're f- fucking steroid user. like Right. You know, I do testing willingly with BJ, and I do the, I do Vada for every fight if I could, if, guy, if my opponent would do it with me. But you know, it's rumors, I guess, right? Well, there's a lot of experts out there. Yeah, f- fake experts. Yeah, ignorance. There's so much ignorance in there. Like you imagine, and, like and, and, back and me too. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super educated on it either because I mean, I, there's no point for me to be educated on. I don't want to take any part of it, but. I think it's bullshit that people are using it. Well, the, for the longest time, I mean, for how many years was it legal? Were you allowed to take testosterone? I have no idea. There were some guys that were, t- I was there was one guy that was 25. He was 25, and he had a testosterone use exemption. 
<laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and, why would you need that? Well, all you have to do is get a doctor that tells you know the commission, hey, they, this young man has a medical condition. Right, right. And all you'd have to do to get that medical condition is take steroids. You take steroids, and then you get off of them. Right. The endocrine system then, crashes. Your testosterone's low. Then you get tested. Huh. You have physical proof your testosterone is low. The doctor, who's probably unscrupulous, mm-hmm. says, yeah, this young man needs testosterone. Yeah, that's... Uh, <clears throat> It's unfortunate because, you know, martial arts shouldn't be about, you know, how physically strong or superior you are to someone. I think it should be about the technique and skill work. Right. That's why I started anyway. Right. I mean. Do you get, like, a special satisfaction of beating a guy who's physically superior to you, like yeah. you said, like Tyron Woodley? Big time, man. But does because it- I'm... I, it, Naturally, I'm not supposed to be better. I, I right. shouldn't be able to kick his ass. Well, if you look but now at- with the training and the martial arts that I've learned and the skill that I, I, I spend my whole life working towards, I'm able to do that. I'm able to conquer that. So it's a special piece of satisfaction for, for you. For sure, yeah. Yeah, so if, like, if you took the average person who doesn't know anything about martial arts and they looked at Woodley and they looked at you... And then you say, all right, who are you betting on? Everyone tells me, every, everyone tells me, he's like, I thought you were going to get fucking steamrolled by Woodley. <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Uh, why wouldn't you? And like, uh, like just like um, family members that would like watch the highlight video. They see my highlight. I'm like jabbing people, <laughs> like right. maybe picking them up, slamming them or something. It's, it's an impressive highlight. But you look at Tyrone's, it's just like. One shot, KOs, everyone, like everyone's just sleeping, getting knocked out. He's an intimidating figure, right? Yeah, he's a powerful dude. Now, there's certain styles and approaches when it comes to striking and attacking, and you are uh, very technical in your approach. Like mm-hmm. you have, I have uh, to be. Yeah, but you have a, but you have knockout power, though. I mean, you, yeah. you, you knocked, knocked out, out Safadine. Yeah. I mean, Safadine's a tough motherfucker. You, mm-hmm. I believe you're the first guy to ever stop him. Yeah, I have no idea. Pretty sure, you know. So you are capable of doing it. Yeah, definitely. But like when you hear guys like there was a there was a dude that I know that I read his Twitter once, and he's a nice guy, but he's he, like on his Twitter he wrote something like "fuck technical striking," you know, just stand in the middle of the octagon and let it rip. The I'm worst. Like, what are you saying? Hockey fight, kind of. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, it was, the idea was just like test your cojones, like right. go mano a mano. Right. I'm a big fan of strategy and technique and technical fighting, and that's yeah. one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of you. Is you Thanks. you have a very intelligent approach mm-hmm. to to fighting. Now, when you when you fight a guy that is just a a bull rusher, like a not saying that Woodley doesn't have technique, but he will explode on you. And yeah. He tries to finish shit with one shot. He yeah. tries to sprint things, like. Do you do you have a specific strategy that you use for a guy like that, or do you no. just go with the flow? I go with the flow, and I, I I think that mastering the techniques that that you need to use against a fighter like that is important. Not like thinking, oh, I have to do this, this, and this against him. I think just working techniques in every situation possible for a long period of time, you'll be able to. Uh, you'll be able to apply it in a, in, in the situation. Mm-hmm. So I like to react. Like I, I try not to think about too much about what my opponent's good at or what he's going to do. I just like to work on all different kinds of technique, master them, and react to what's in front of me at that particular time. So when you're training for a guy like Safany, do you watch tape on him? No. No. I never watch anything. I didn't watch JT. 
I don't watch Tyrone. I didn't watch anyone. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Why, though? I don't find it beneficial to me at all. That's fascinating. Yeah. But what if JT had some really bizarre attack? He likes to do, like, you know, cyborgs, tornado guard or some shit like that. You you don't want to be aware the, of that at all? Well, I think if I'm training what I if, what, all the techniques I'm training at all the time, I think if I master those, I'll be able to overcome that, you know? I don't know how to explain it exactly. That's not but a very some good guys explanation. Some study tendencies, and it's a very big part of their game, is studying tendencies and, and finding openings. Does Faraz do that, or does Donaher do that for you? No, I just kind of, you know, I'm, I learn one technique at a time, and I piece it together, I think, over the years. And when you master it, you're able to just apply it in the situation. You know, you learn your defenses to certain moves, but right. if that guy's really good at it or whatever, you know, you maybe work that defense a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm surprised that you wouldn't like. I'm not study. a I'm not a believer in footage because you know, maybe my opponent will change. You know, uh. I don't know. I'm I'm just not into it. I could fight a guy that's 600 pounds one day and uh, 100 pounds the next day. I should be able to overcome any. Any style of fighter. That's fascinating. So when you compete, you're essentially just putting all of your skill and martial arts knowledge on the line, and that's what you like about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a better description of it. <laughs> Did you always knew that you wanted to be an MMA fighter? Uh, once I started training martial arts, yeah, the first day. I was I was telling Ariel Hawani in my last interview, yeah, pretty much my first day of martial arts thing. You just knew you were going to be a fighter. Yeah. Is there anything else that's ever attracted you like that before? Um, yeah, hockey. I was really into hockey as a young kid. And then I, when I found martial arts, I just dropped out of that. Yeah, that's an interesting thing about some fighters is that they're not into sports at all. Yeah. Because fights are so compelling. Yeah, it just takes it over everything. Well, it's, so, it's also so much on the line. It's so much crazier. When you watch yeah. a, a live UFC fight and you watch some chaotic wild fucking fight it's just the, the amount of investment that you have in it the, the the nerves and the excitement and the like just watching it just watching it it's so much more intense than any other sporting event yeah yeah for sure everyone can understand it too no one needs to know the rules or anything everyone knows what's going on right away the only issue is when it goes to the ground like sometimes yeah. when it goes to the ground and more technical little... situations yeah that's why you guess you find a lot of booing and yeah. now that the technical striking is coming in a lot of people aren't enjoying that yes yeah you're seeing it's like waves it's really interesting how you see like there was the mark coleman wave where the big powerful wrestlers were taking guys down right. and ground and pounding and then there was the kickboxer wave there's a jiu-jitsu wave and now it seems like it's so varied there's so there's so many different approaches and strategies going mm. on now you know, you, you're you're seeing wrestler style, and then you're seeing like, you know, guys like T.J. Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz that are accentuating the movement more. Mm-hmm. It's like so much more movement now. Like if you yeah. watch Dominic's fight with Mitsugaki, there's so much more movement and angles in movement's just in key. that one round. Yeah, giant, right? Movement's giant. Yeah, I'm a big believer in it. Well, when you see guys that are flat-footed and they have this very particular Muay Thai style, mm-hmm. does that bum you out? Is it like? doesn't bum me out, but, I mean, I used to fight like that for Did the you? longest time. And when I fought Carlos, I was just like, I have one direction. It's 
straight forward. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna back up. You know. And then I kind of open my mind to new things, and yeah, you have to be open-minded, and because every opponent's gonna give you a different reaction, you know, it's gonna require a different solution. Yeah, I also it's like there's something poetic about the ability to faint, and you you add in all these variables when you add in movement that aren't there when a guy is like this flat-footed approach. Yeah. Like Conor McGregor in uh, one of his interviews, like this last post-fight interview, I, I asked him, you know, I said, well, he was talking about Poirier, and I said, you said he was basic. Like, what did, yeah, you, what did yeah. you mean by that? Yeah, and that, movement. Yeah, that's what he was saying. It's like this, this plodding Muay Thai style that everybody does. Yeah. And then you see Conor, he opens up with like a, a front leg hook kick. <laughs> yeah. You know, he does a lot of wild shit. Yeah, yeah, I like his style. It's super cool. His style and then his personality is like a weird combination, <laughs> you know? Like his yeah. style I think is very cool as well. Yeah. But like what do you think about a guy like that talks so much shit and gets all this <laughs> attention? Like what do you think about that? I, you do you pretty much do the opposite of that. Yeah. But for some reason I kinda like it. You like it, but do you th- yeah. see yourself emulating it? No, never. Never. This is not me. And I think he's being him. And I mm-hmm. think that's so awesome. You know, he's able to go out there and he's able to uh, express himself on the mic and in his fighting. You know, I think that's 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 amazing. I'm happy for him. Right. But I saw, like, I saw the influence of that in the Dennis Bermudez-Ricardo Lamas fight. Because okay. they're in the same division. But right. before the fight, they were talking all this mad shit. And, like, these guys never do that. Because they want the that. title shot, right? Well, they want the title they shot. They want the attention. And they also see, like... But it, also, people can real people can recognize when people are forcing it and yeah. trying to be something they're not. And it's the worst, right? Yeah. It's way better to do what you're doing. Yeah, do, do be you. Yeah. And I think people will recognize... Uh, what you're good at and recognize uh, the special things about yourself you know just be you and be you to the fullest I think Connor's great at that he's not shy he's just he's him he's not scared about pissing people off or uh, stepping over people you know he's doing his thing yeah no he's he's definitely doing his thing he's a He's a freaky cat in a lot of ways. Yeah. The guy's had four fights in the UFC and can fill up a fucking soccer stadium. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, right? He can, man. If he fights in Ireland, if yeah. he beats Dennis Seaver and yeah. his next fight is in Ireland against a big fighter, if it's Aldo for the title in Ireland, Probably would be, they yeah. might light that whole country on fire. They might literally b- smash every building and That'd light be... the entire country in a and drunken And he's only been rage. around for a little bit. It's crazy. <laughs> four fights. Four, four yeah. fights in the UFC. That's bizarre. It's crazy. Yeah. It's uh, no wrestlers, though. He hasn't fought any wrestlers. Yeah. I, he moves really well, though, so that's that's, uh, that's that'll be something you know wrestlers will have to overcome. I want to see him versus Frankie Edgar. That's what I want to see. That's a good fight. That's what I want for Christmas. Frank, that's a great fight. Frankie Edgar, Frankie moves so good too, and he's his his uh, penetration shot is so good. He is so yeah. fucking relentless too. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's I was so blown away by his fight with Cub Swanson. I thought that was going to be uh, a very difficult fight for both fighters. Yeah, and he just overwhelmed them. Yeah, I like Frankie. Yeah, I love that fucking pace he puts on and you see that pace from the moment he comes in he runs to the fucking octagon and he's just he's in that mindset like she's just gonna yeah. start running yeah you know when the, the, the when energizer bunny yeah fuck man <laughs> he's a beast and he's an, a guy who's notorious for training like a fucking wild man oh, yeah. notorious like what doing press obligations all that shit right. sneaking in workouts and right. a wild 
you know, energetic workouts. Also, his okay. coach, Mark Henry, is like very fucking diligent about notes. And like mm. uh, Brendan Schaub trained with him for a while. And okay. They got fucking notes on everything and page wow. after page after page of notes. You know, and you see he's constantly working on things and constantly getting better. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by Frankie. I mean, Me the, the BJ Penn fight was really impressive, but I was. I was skeptical about BJ going down to 145. First yeah. of all, I was like, "What is he?" Yeah, is the fight before that he fought me, right? Yeah, At seventy. What's this crazy? He's fucking nuts. <laughs> what is his? What was it like fighting that guy? Like uh, that had to uh, be a weird thing for you because you know he's yeah. in the it wrong was, weight It was. It was weird because you know I've watched BJ since I was a kid and I always loved BJ. I was like, man, this guy is so good. You know, he's so cool. He's such a, you know, he's so raw. Yeah. Right. He's just. Hard nose, just wants to get in there and fight anyone. He fought Machida. Yeah, what the fuck? At heavyweight. He's a beast. It like, was over 205, so then, it's technically a heavyweight. At the same time, he was talking so much shit about me, and he pissed me off, and I just wanted to eat him alive. <laughs> so it was like a mixture of emotions. <laughs> well, you hurt him standing probably more than anybody ever did. You had him in a lot of trouble, man. Yeah, yeah I did, yeah. Was but that... He, he, he's tough. He wouldn't go down. Didn't yeah. even drop to a knee. No, he's tough as shit. Yeah. He's definitely tough as shit, but it's hard to watch him take those kind of beatings, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the Frankie Edgar beating after that, it's it's hard because, I mean, I don't know who to believe. You know, you hear Mike Dolce's take on his camp, and then you hear BJ's take on his camp. It's like, I don't... I didn't hear it. I don't know. But I know that BJ, when he was with the Marinoviches, and he was doing a bunch of shit that he didn't want to do, right. when he was super uncomfortable and, right. like, constantly sore. But then you look at what the fuck he did to Diego Sanchez, and you look at that BJ, the Sean Shirk BJ, and, right. like, he was a motherfucker. Yeah, he was a tank. At 155. Yeah. And that this desire to go down to featherweight, I, I just didn't understand it. It's a bit weird. It's yeah. A bit weird. Yeah, I, I don't know, know what it is. That. You know, just reinventing himself or yeah, trying, trying to... to figure out one new thing. Yeah. It sucks to see a guy like that. Man, the last bit of his career is just went... Well, it's be hard to deal with. What do you think about Anderson Silva? I think he's very skilled. <laughs> Obviously. Love his movement. But when you see him, two losses in a row, yeah. both kind of freaky. Yeah. Yeah, Weidman, though, you know, he's the real deal. I yeah. knew Weidman was going to give him a hard fight. I've yeah. trained, I trained with Weidman here and there. Yeah. Yeah, he's a tank, this guy. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah. Well, he's a weird and guy, I, and too. I, and he just took out Machida, and I thought Machida would be his hardest fight at that weight. Harder than, than uh, Anderson. Anderson. And he overcame it. It was a difficult fight, though. I mean, yeah. he got put in oh, trouble. Yeah. He got put in trouble. Big time. Yeah, Machida's a dangerous guy. And Machida's yeah. another guy who utilizes that strange stance. You know, mm -hmm. Machida, he'll incorporate more forward stance, but he'll occasionally go completely sideways on you, too. Yeah. You know, that karate style. Yeah, I, I like to incorporate a lot of stuff he does, too. Yeah. I, I've always been a fan of him. He's excellent at that knee check. The knee check to the body catches guys yeah. coming in with that knee yeah. to the body. Yeah, he does. Do when you don't well. know when it's coming. Yeah, I Cerrone. like his takedown defense too. His yes. his uh, his his backwards movement mm -hmm. and to circle out that I like I like that. Well, he he did some sumo training too, which is kind of oh, yeah? interesting. So he's really good at like popping his hips forward. He's oh right, circling away from things. Yeah, you know, and he he credits that a lot with his takedown defense. Yeah, which you never think of sumo as like a, a, an applicable modern martial art. Yeah, well, you're getting down in your squatted stance, right? Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, you're able to rotate. A yeah. lot faster. I do that a lot too. Do you ever use sumo? You ever fuck around with it? No, but um, like I've never actually trained sumo, 
but I understand the concepts of what you're talking about, and I do use that in my wrestling. I would like to train it just to wear one of those diapers, this big fuck, and have some <laughs> dude try to wedgie the shit out of me and drag me under the ground. Uh, I watched a wild sumo match the other day because I, um, you know, I watch everything. I watch amateur wrestling. I watch, mm-hmm. I watch karate point tournaments because I think there's something to be learned in point fighting. I think there's something about the approach, the initial blitz approach of point fighting that uh, I, I forget his name, but there's a guy, an English guy who's fighting in Bellator, who's a really good point fighter, okay. who is now starting to fight in MMA. And there's the, the, if you think about like the initial approach of the first strikes that are landed right. in point fighting, <clears throat> it's all about that initial approach. Right. It's unrealistic in terms of like a continuous match or mm. five minute round or something mm. like that. But that skill of being able to blitz in and charge in is mm-hmm. is very different, and very unique. Yeah, blitzing is a huge, a huge factor in MMA. Yeah, a lot of guys are really good at it. Hendricks has a great blitz. Uh, Stephen Thompson, yeah, one of the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that that is um, a, an area where we're going to see some guys make their uh, make the transition over to. Uh, to MMA that have that and that learn all those other aspects of MMA, but it's hard for them. Uh, they, they probably have the hardest road in because at least Muay Thai guys, they're used to continuously fighting. They're used to taking shots and, and countering. They're used to overcoming obstacles. Mm-hmm. Whereas the karate guys, it's also the stamina is not nearly as much of a requirement. It's right. such a much more difficult thing to do. The MMA grappling's than it is hard to for them too. Grappling's hard. Leg kicks are hard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. But that blitz is undeniably effective. There's yeah. That's just, I think that, do you guys ever incorporate that in training? Blitz? Oh, yeah. Do you do, do drills for that? Or do, yeah. you, uh, do you ever, like, do well, when, point fighting? Yeah, when Steven used to come up to help George, uh, they they showed a lot of his blitz style and, and, and how to do that. So, yeah, we've we've taken some of their drills for that, for sure. When when you train for a fight, like say if uh, you have a, an eight week training camp and it starts out, do you have like it's set up where like this type you know will like get will break things down during this period? This period would be like more of a build up period, and then like when do you taper off? Yeah, everyone's kind of different. Like uh, you're always excited when you first start camp, right? So it always starts explosive. Then your body starts to break down. So you need to be able to do a little bit shorter set sessions, and like short but explosive. So, yeah, there is periods of times where like farther away from the fight, they're longer sessions but less explosive and intensive, you know, more technical approach and drilling mm-hmm. and stuff. And then the closer it gets, the more time cut down, the more just like the hard sparring and work. And then uh, right before the fight, um, it's really short. You know, it's just it's just the short sparrings, um, the rolling sessions, things like that. Maybe some drilling and some pads, but in between that, but not long. Do you ever fuck around with cryotherapy? Have you done that yet? What's cryotherapy again? I know. Oh, that's I, another thing. I, I might I might have done this. I gotta get you in there. You go into this box, two hundred fifty degrees below zero. Yeah, you put a, a face I've mask on yes. ear mouse. Did you? Yeah, you I did it? this for the, my last fight. Really? Uh, yeah, they um, at this at my osteopath clinic, they got one, and uh, I started using it. Yeah. Is it neck down or it's, is yeah, it full it's, body? It's neck down. Yeah, you got to go with the full body one. Yeah, I've done both. 
But the, the problem with the neck down one is they don't really get your upper shoulders and your neck. I have to squat down and hold my breath. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's annoying. It's annoying. Yeah. This one, they have in L.A. There's okay. a couple of them across the country, but the one they have in L.A. is insane. Okay. It's full body, and I go there all the time. I'll take you. Okay. It's amazing. Okay. Like, guys swear. Eddie Bravo turned me on to it. He fucking swears by it. He goes several times a week. Right. And when he was training for uh, the Hoyler Gracie match, he was going every day. Right. He said, I couldn't do it without it. He's <laughs> like, I need it to recover. Yeah. It really speeds things up. Huh? Woo! My muscular soreness went way down. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, you could have, like, incredibly sore muscles from weightlifting or, Mm -hmm. you know, hill sprints and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And you go in there and it just floods it out in some Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. They explained it to me. I'm not – I can't scientifically explain what the The details is. is, But somebody was telling me, that shit doesn't work. And so I was like, damn, am I an idiot? Am I fucking falling for some (laughs) – But then I I read the science on it. (laughs) The science is 100% legit because your body thinks it's fucking dying. Yeah. You're going 250 degrees below zero for three minutes. Yeah. Your body's like, oh, we're fucked. This is – and you, <laughs> your body tries to preserve itself by pulling all the blood into your internal organs. And, right. try, and then once you get out into room temperature, it just floods it back yeah. out. And apparently there's like some intense anti-inflammatory response that comes out of that that right. is amazing for healing. Mm. That is apparently the number one issue when it comes to injury and even disease is inflammation. Right. That and makes sense. Yeah. And they're saying that anti-inflammatory responses um, and anti-inflammatory like diets that don't promote inflammation, like low sugar diets. Mm-hmm. Apparently sugar is terrible for inflammation. Mm-hmm. This is all um, discovered or, or all um, a, a part of what that whole Regenikine thing is all about. I'm sure you've heard of that. That's like what Weidman had done on his knees. Yeah, uh, Dana White talked about it. It's a blood spinning procedure. Oh, yeah. They, okay. You know about that? Uh it's kind of like that PRP, but like d- right. more intense, right? Yes. Yeah, Dana told me about that. Exactly. I That's... did PRP on my ankles. Did you? Because I had bad ankles last year. They were fucked up. From grappling or from? Uh, one was wrestling. I tore my um, my tendons before the Robbie Lawler fight. Oh, wow. And then after that fight, I smashed up this one. And then I fought Damian Maya. So Damn. I had to get... PRP helped it, though. Now, like when you say you tore it, you tore it all the way through or partial tear? Uh, I think it was a partial, but it was like I couldn't like walk on it. For how long? Pretty much the whole camp. Holy shit. Yeah. How'd yeah. you get through camp? Sucked it up? Yeah. Did you take the shit, shit out of your ankle? <laughs> it was shit, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a brace and then I taped over the brace. Wow. Yeah. Did you consider pulling out of the fight? I should have. Probably. Really? Yeah, Yeah, but at that point in time, like, I'd been, like, pulling out of every second fight, it seemed like, because of injury. You know, it was, like, the Carlos fight, the BJ Penn fight, and then before that, I had some other, before I was, like, less well-known, I had some other fights. I was like, I can't pull out of this fight, you know? It's too big. Isn't that just a part of the game, though? I mean, it seems like... Sometimes you just have to push through. Yeah. And and a, a lot of fans don't recognize that, because not a lot of people want to speak about... Their excuses for losing and stuff so, like that. He's he's got to take it, you know. Yeah, you're never going to be a hundred percent as a fighter, and you just have to you have to deal with that. You just have to know what is okay to push through and yeah. what you need to set. Like torn ACL, things along those lines, yeah. where your knee gives out, has lost yeah. its stability. Yeah, I mean, I could still stand up and throw punches and do takedowns. So I mean, I'm not, I was still able to fight. 
It was just painful. Is that what it was? Yeah. Restricted certain things, but I was still able to fight. Now, when you have like a, an injury like that, do you just figure out a way to train around it? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, obviously, the training is not going to be as good, right? Right. So. So how do you compensate as far as like your conditioning? Because I that's pretty a much issue. rode a bike for the whole time. Really? Yeah. A bike or airdyne? Like what kind? Um, of? Yeah, an airdyne. And yeah, uh, like a regular uh, stationary bike. Just doing sprints and yeah, tabatas and shit I couldn't like that. swim. I couldn't do a lot of stuff. I do. Wow. I like to do a lot of agility work, athletic agility and stuff, and footwork and stuff. And that, I wasn't able to do any of that. Obviously, George got big into gymnastics. Did you yeah. wind up doing any of that? As I well? did it. I did it with them, him and Faraz, for a while, and I never got. I never stayed with it. I might start more later mm-hmm. on, uh, like later on, but. Um, I felt it was more beneficial for me at that point in time to 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 work more with uh, John Chamberg mm-hmm. rather than more of the dynamic uh, movement and stuff. My my base wasn't there, you know, athletically. Right, and Chamber has been your strength and conditioning coach for a while. He does George as well. Mm-hmm. Well, not anymore. But yeah. doesn't? No, I think George just kind of floats around. He, he George does a uh, takes a similar approach as me. It's like if you're efficient in your movements and in your skill work and your technique. You don't really have to be the most conditioned athlete, you know? Right. Yeah. So that's more important than this just cardio and in my your opinion, heart yeah. rate. Yeah. I mean, because efficiency yeah. is huge, yeah. right? And when you're efficient, you, you, you put out less energy and it's mm-hmm. easier. Like, have you seen a guy who's like a really good boxer, boxing a guy who doesn't know what he's doing? Like, he mm-hmm. barely even breaks a sweat. Yeah. Because he can just keep moving and loose and your yeah. body's normal. It's like it, your body's used to doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my belief. But it, there is a, there is a factor of being well-conditioned also, right? Sure. At yeah. that high, high of a level when you have two efficient fighters – you know, at the at the highest level, you need to be in good condition. Have you ever had a fight at altitude? Um, yeah. Is Calgary, is Calgary? Calgary at altitude? Maybe. I'm not sure. I heard Calgary is, and I fought there a couple of times. Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure, though. I don't think anything like Denver or anything like Mexico that. City was fucking bananas. Oh, yeah? 7,300 feet above sea level. Huh. That's 2,000 feet above Boulder. Were, were people uh, showing any? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Hunt did. But Hunt took the fight on three weeks' notice. You okay. Know? Verdum had lived up there for a couple months oh, and okay. trained up there. But, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Hunt struggled against Ben Rothwell in Denver, which is 2,000 feet lower. So um, hmm. tough fight for him, you know, take on three weeks' notice. Yeah, and, that is a tough fight. Do you find yourself staying at 170, or do you think you'll no, ever move? move You're going to move up to 185? Yeah. yeah. Not because I have to. I've I've talked about it before. It's not because I have to. Uh, it's just sort of curiosity and yeah. uh, the experience to fight bigger guys. But I want to do what I have to do at this division first. So if you win the title at 170, yeah, then you move up. Yeah, I'll probably still fight at welterweight too. Really? Yeah. Go back and forth? Yeah, because, I mean, it's easy for me to make welterweight. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably, if I can, if I could fight enough in the year and UFC uh, is cool with it. So essentially for you, your motivation is challenges. You want to keep things interesting and challenge yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I want to overcome obstacles and test myself and find out who I really am. Do you ever see yourself competing in straight kickboxing or Muay Thai? Yeah, I've thought about it. Maybe 
you know, branching off and doing stuff like that, maybe a boxing fight eventually and stuff like that. That would be probably pretty hard for the UFC to agree to, though. Yeah, but who knows at that, that, what, what point I'll do that. It won't be anytime soon. Yeah, because Rampage has talked about doing that recently. He's talked about just leaving MMA and, and boxing. Oh, really? Yeah, I would never yeah. do that. It would be like how I'm competing in Metamoris. Yeah, but I just don't see like the UFC ever letting you. Yeah, but maybe I won't be fi- fighting MMA at that point. Maybe I'll be 40, you know. <laughs> so you'll be 40 and take on some Muay Thai fights? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> really? Yeah. So you're just a free spirit. You just let going so. with the flow and... Yeah, man. Are you enjoying this life? You got a yeah. f- wild fucking life, man. Yeah, it's fun. Sometimes it's boring as hell, but... What's boring as hell? The, the monotony training of training? Camps. <laughs> yeah. I like to just always be doing something. That's another thing my girlfriend has a hard time dealing with. It's like, I can't just sit here. I have to be doing something. Well, that's got to be what part of what makes you successful, though. Yeah, probably. The fact that you have this constant drive. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of drive for sure. Do you read any motivational shit, or do you get motivated by anything? No, no. Uh, uh, I watch a lot of, lot. Well, watch a lot of stuff. You know, footage and martial arts stuff. That motivates me, I guess. But nothing like, you know, Art of War or any of that shit. I have an audio book of Sun Tzu. <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah. Do you listen to it? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. On the way to training? No, not really. Just kind of randomly. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about Musashi? You ever fuck around with the Book of Five Rings? No. Never heard of it. I found it to be uh, more applicable okay. than uh, Art of War. Right. The Art of War, all the strategy stuff I thought was really interesting, but it really is, yeah. a lot of it is about actual warfare. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not hand-to-hand combat. Right. Whereas... Miyamoto Musashi was a samurai, and so okay. a lot of his stuff was about one-on-one right. competition. That would make more sense, yeah. And it was also re- recognizing, uh, yeah, he's, this is who I have on my arm. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I've seen this guy before. Well, he was uh, this great samurai, but okay. fought 62 men in uh, one-on-one combat and killed them all. Just fucked. Sword? Swords. He, he would he would get bored, yeah. so he would uh, take on people with wooden swords. They would have a, a metal sword, and he would use a wooden one. Yeah. He killed a guy with an oar. Showed is this, up with is an this oar. fantasy? Or no, is no, 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 no. What, what era was this? I believe it was the 1400s. Wow. Yeah. He, um, this book, and he would kill them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He killed everybody. Go Rin Dude, No Show. You <laughs> <laughs> show up with a, a sword. He beats you over the head with a fucking oar. He would he would whittle the oars down. I want, I want to say what year was that? I want to say it was the 1400s. Let's see. Miyotomoto Musashi. It was um, 1584. Yeah, he died in 1645. How? He was um, 61 years old. Natural causes. <laughs> Probably stomach cancer, they're saying. Hmm. wonder why Weird. it says that. Yeah. But his book is fascinating because he was really into a big part of his philosophy was about staying balanced. And okay. about keeping the mind balanced because, you yeah. know, sword fighting is such a fucking unbelievably intense and stressful scenario yeah. Yeah. that... He was all about balancing out your life with art and philosophy and poetry and nice. even calligraphy. I mean, it wasn't about just being this brute. 
It was all about balancing the mind right. and so that there was no extraneous stress. Gotcha. That all everything was about st- the the technique being clean, the mind being sharp. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I that like that. Everything was completely balanced. He's a fascinating guy. Yeah. But I believe in balance in the, in your life too. That, I'd like to read that. Do you have hobbies other than MMA? Uh, I like hunting. Uh, I've just got into that. I just got my hunting license this year. Just this year? Is yeah. For, where where have you hunted? Uh, well, I just went um, up in BC. Well, where what area? Princeton. Yeah, Princeton area. Up Did there. you get anything? We got a rabbit. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> yeah. Is that the first time you've hunted? Uh, as an adult, yeah. yeah. Uh, as a kid, my dad and my grandpa always took me and my brother out. But, uh, you know, as an adult, this is this was like the first time I've had an opportunity. But I'm going to go a lot next year. Um, I got a lot of friends that go like elk hunting and stuff. Uh, and That's awesome. Uh, I've got a few different offers from some friends that want to take me out on some trips. It's going to be amazing. Well, that's the cool thing about being a famous person. As soon as people find <laughs> out that you're into hunting, they're like, I want to go hunt with Rory McDonald. Yeah, yeah it helps out. to take you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that'll definitely happen. Yeah, I got some buddies that are really big into it, so... A lot of UFC fighters. Yeah. Uh, Chad Mendez, he killed his first elk this year with a, nice. with a bow. He killed a deer, too. Um, TJ TJ killed a huge fucking bear last year wow. and uh, put it on social media, and everybody got angry at him. Did for he eat killing it? A bear. Yeah. Yeah, who yeah. cares? People are fucking crazy. Yeah. They think you're killing Boo Boo, and you, he's in the middle of taking picnic baskets and speaking English, <laughs> and he went up and fucking murdered him. They don't understand balance and... No. ecosystem and all that stuff so you got to educate themselves before yeah well there's a lot of convenience in their thinking too i mean it's just so easy to just look at someone you mean i had a guy got it got upset with me because i shot a bear and he was wearing leather shoes i had this conversation <laughs> with him i'm like you know how crazy this conversation so is so ignorant man. man yeah and 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 a lot of them are, think uh it's cruel it's like but the meat you're eating at the supermarket do you know how cruel they're treating those yeah. animals yeah. like it's insane What's also the getting upset at someone for hunting when you're driving by restaurants left and right, you know, fast food joints, supermarkets, on pretty much every crowded street that you drive down, everywhere you look, yeah. there's animals that have been killed. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a ridiculous thing to concentrate on a hunter yeah. who takes it in the most natural lack way of possible. Education, maybe. Well. Insulation, it's a yeah. lot of it, you know. I mean, there's ignorance. I'm sure you deal with a parallel or a similar kind of an ignorance when it comes to fighting. Mm-hmm. Because when you tell people that you're a fighter, they probably assume you're some thuggish asshole. Right. And right. you're like, wait a minute, this guy is like so like even killed. Like, right. I don't. Do you get that sometimes where people like they don't understand why you are so calm and normal, but yet you're yeah elite world class fighter? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, there's some situations. Yeah. They don't, they're like, it's kind of, um, counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you ever have people like judge you because of the fact that you're a fighter or? Not so much. Most of the people now it's super popular, right? So right. They're like, oh, it's cool. But seven years ago, it probably wasn't so much. So oh yeah. When I was like 14. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> they're like, why are you doing this? <laughs> Go to school, get a real job. You know, like you're never going to make any money. I'm like, I bet you, I probably will. I'll make more money doing this than, you know, working construction or something. Well, now people realize that it's yeah, a viable career option. Yeah, but back then, option. back then it wasn't. Goddamn it wasn't popular. Training. It is kind of a crazy thing if you think about people that entered into it when it wasn't very profitable. Like, boy, yeah. you have to really love it. Yeah, those guys. 
I'm so I'm so like thankful for like the Gracies and the guys in the first UFCs and yeah. you know Randy Tito Fuck all these yeah. guys man Dan Anderson still still Dan, at yeah it. he's a, still at it oh man that guy's he's fighting Musasi he doesn't get enough credit this guy oh he's a fucking animal he's one of the <laughs> toughest guys that's ever walked the face of the planet yeah you know and his last fight with Cormier you know <laughs> he fought guy like basically two or three weight classes yeah. bigger than him Dan ragdolled yeah yeah it's um crazy. It was so important for those guys to have that passion to, to pursue this, and mm-hmm. those guys really should be heralded as the the true pioneers that they were. Yeah, you know, even though Hoist Gracie says a bunch of crazy shit today, and like he said a bunch of crazy shit about Eddie Bravo, who's you know, my best friend, mm-hmm. I still have nothing but love and respect for that guy. Because if it wasn't for Hoist Gracie, I would have never done jujitsu. I would have okay. never known what it was if that guy didn't have the balls to step in there. And fight guys like Dan Sever, and you mm-hmm. see him catch a guy in a triangle, and you're like, "What the fuck just happened?" Mm. Like, that opened my eyes so much to what martial arts, you know, w- what the real potential for martial arts could be. I mean, we've seen martial arts evolve so much just in a, f- a couple of decades. Yeah, twenty years. Yeah, it's insane. M- more than over the last thousand years. <laughs> know, it's crazy the the amount it's changed. Yeah, I mean, I was competing in the 80s, man, and nobody yeah. knew anything. Everybody thought that if somebody tried to wrestle you, you just fucking catch them with a punch and knock just, them out. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Everybody thought they would just head kick people. They were on the way to – you didn't realize how easy it would be for you to get smashed. Yeah. Like, nobody had an idea. Yeah. I, I love talking, like, back in the day, like, my old kickboxing coach and stuff. He's like, just, just knee him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> I had a boxing coach that would say, man, if anybody tries to take me down, I'll sidestep, uppercut. That was this whole thing. <laughs> sidestep, uppercut. I'm like, yeah, what if they're shooting at your legs? It's How low are you going to go? It's necessarily a bad idea, but <laughs> making it practical is a whole other thing. Yeah. I, this one dude was explaining to me that he didn't need to learn martial arts because, man, you know what I'd do? I'd kick somebody's fucking knee out. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I'm going I'm to show you some fights. I want to show you Alistair Overeem versus Ben <laughs> Rothwell. And uh, that knee kick thing doesn't really work that well all the time. And That's not great. be amazed how durable your knee is yeah. and how many shots to the leg your your knee can kick. Do you fuck around with that oblique kick? Do you do that thing? Uh, the the like the inside? sideways, yeah. No, not no? really into it. That's a, a kick that's kind of made a comeback over the yeah. last few years. Yeah, a lot of the Greg Jackson guys do it. Yeah, because you used to see that in those old like Wing Chun books. Yeah, you know they they would throw a lot that weird kick, and I yeah. was like, ooh, that's a goofy kick. Yeah, but it then is a bit you, different. But you see, like Carlos Condit likes to do it a lot. John Jones, Jones likes to do it a lot. Yeah. It's a good kick if you if you learn it correctly. Yeah, Jones uses effectively with his other strikes too. Wait, Breaks so- guys down and then pop pop pop. He's so fucking tall too. Yeah, that's such a huge advantage. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't played with it, you know, but I don't rule it out. Yeah, no, I think it's a really uh, excellent the, technique. It is a kick I like that comes from the same kind of angle, but it's a head kick. Hmm. Um, crescent? Like a crescent kick? No, it's like it goes up to the. You know how like I do like this front kick. Hmm. You know, but uh, you do it with the heel. You know, you just come up. On that side with your oh, back leg. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's oh, kind of a weird saying. kick. So you're kind of, it's like a misdirection sort of a thing? Like they think it's coming and you just... Yeah, it goes like, it's your back leg, mm-hmm. so it comes out this way, but it ends up like oh. coming up at a weird angle. Yeah, hmm. Like a C, right? Yeah. Hmm. Sort of the opposite maybe of the question mark kick. It's the exact opposite, yeah. I love that question mark kick. Yeah, it's cool. It's such a, you know, the yeah. Brazilian kick for some people. 
like um, was it Globe Fetosa made yeah, that famous? Yeah, Fetosa was a beast. Of God damn, he and he used to bring it down. Yeah, like, he was so flexible. You come way out and whack. Oh my God! There's some amazing photos of him doing that online. That's a classic Kyokushin technique, and mm-hmm. Taekwondo as well. That's where mm-hmm. I learned it. The Taekwondo guys used to do it, but before they used to call it the Brazilian kick, it was always known as the question mark. Yeah, that's such Flash a beautiful kick. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or we used to call it fake front kick, round kick. Okay. That's what we used to call it in Taekwondo. But you know, but that uh, this this idea of misdirection like you see it so often too with wrestling where guys will fake a shot and then land a punch instead you know there's so much misdirection in fighting to try yeah Yeah. faints faints are giant when you see guys that don't faint Uh and guys that just plow forward with no no Uh misdirection no fainting whatsoever yeah one of the most successful guys is george yes yeah very much so. George was great, and it still is, uh, at you never knew what the fuck he was going to do. Yeah, it's crazy. People would just be, like, locked up. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know yeah. if he's going to shoot. He's going to jab me. Uh, he's going to kick me. Like, Yeah. Yeah. George was also great at utilizing the momentum that he got up into being a champ and just carrying that forward. He was so comfortable with the experience of fighting in a high-profile bout that you would see guys that were fighting him that were just so caught up in the bright lights in the moment, and then, boom, he's taking him down. Boom, he's dropping elbows on him. Boom, right. you know, it's just he was relentless. Yeah. Just relent- and One of the greatest martial arts martial artists that ever lived. Ever. In my opinion. Ever. And a great representative yeah. of martial arts, too, because he was yeah. such a good guy and yeah. is such a good guy. Spoke really well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm happy that he got out when he did. And, you know, selfishly, in some ways, I hope he stays out. Because, uh, well, I I, yeah, I think it. I think he still has it in him, though. I think he does, too. But that's yeah. what I worry about. I hate seeing a guy yeah. stay too long. Like, yeah. the thing that bugs me more than anything is... Talking to guys that have been in fights for, you know, or in, in MMA for a long time, and I see the deterioration in mm. them. That, that's hard to watch. I think if he's patient with it this time, you know, with this this knee surgery, coming back slowly, enjoying the training, and then maybe a year or two years down the road, and he has that, he's back to where he was or, you know, where he needs to be, could be interesting. Well, it certainly could be interesting. Because he'll be having fun with it again. Right. For the longest time, I know George wasn't having fun fighting. Right. He was doing it because it was pressure and this and that, right? Well, he was up to that incredibly high level, too, where he's making so much fucking money. I mean, he was making more money than anybody. His pay-per-views were so high. He's doing really well. And he had endorsements. And, again, he's such a great representative that people would, like, scramble to to have him sponsor their product. Or to sponsor him, rather. Right. But I, I just think that there's a certain amount of punishment you can take in your career and that mm-hmm. past that you know there's there's a point of no return mm-hmm. you know and i worry about that because right. he's so well spoken and such a good guy mm-hmm. i worry about guys getting to that point of no return is that something that ever comes into your mind no doesn't bother me. But when you see like these studies on traumatic brain injuries in NFL players and yeah, well, I'm not an NFL player. Well, even in fighters, I mean, yeah. you hear about it in fighters as well. Yeah, I think it also has to do with some certain styles of fighters though. Mhm. I think uh guys like me take a lot less damage. Right. With um if I fought like I did against Carlos in all my fights, I'd have a short career and then I'd probably have to be concerned with some 
effects down the road. Right. Like Forrest Griffin yeah. style. Yeah. Forrest Griffin versus but Stephen if, Bonner. If you look Blood at my guts. fights or the statistics of my fight, I don't get hit much. Right. You know? So it's it's not a huge issue for me. Well, you're good defensively when you do get hit, too. Like, you were one of the few guys, like, Robbie tagged you, mm-hmm. but you figured out a way to maintain your cool. Yeah. And... Stay calm, yeah. Is that the most you were hurt in a modern fight? Yeah. Yeah. I was okay, though. You know, I wasn't, uh, I, I I was definitely hurt. Like, the shot, bang, it gave me, like, a, you know, my eyes went back or whatever, and I fell down. But I remember I was thinking cl- clearly through the whole thing, and I remember my legs being so tired at that point of the fight that I just needed to go down, you know? So... I think I think actually um uh the more scra- the a bigger hit for me was the Carlos Condit fight. He hit me in the temple, in the top of the head and I was just like so scrambled, man. Yeah, it's weird how different spots in your head will do yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the side of the head too is really good the temple. I like to target that area. It does something weird to equilibrium, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you if you look at um my knockout against uh, Pyle and Safadine mm-hmm. it was pretty much similar how I finished them I, w- I got um, them on four points and I would give them shots to the temple um, sitting over top of them and when they both got up they did the same thing they would get up and they would think they would find their legs would give out right. and they keep going back and forth side to side and they have to have a guy hold them up I think there's something to say about that 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 shot, that impact there. Yeah, we were just talking on, like, someone was talking online. We were talking about, like, what shots hurt guys and what shots don't hurt guys. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, sometimes you'll see a guy get caught with, like, a grazing shot to the forehead and his legs will just give out. Right. Yeah, uh, Conor McGregor was kind of like that. When he with knocked Poirier. Out Poirier. Yeah, perfect he example. Like, what the f-? Yeah. Kind of just, like, hit him there. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, Connor hits fucking hard. <laughs> for that weight class, it's yeah, crazy. He hits very hard for that yeah. weight class. I always wonder if he's going to stay at 145 or if it becomes too much of a struggle. Yeah, he says that it's up. hard for him, huh, to get there. Yeah. Who impresses you these days? Like, do you, at a, a fighters, like, who, who do you like watching? Um, I've been watching a lot of Ronda Rousey or Judo. I want to get good at that. Uh, Connor's movement, uh, punching style. It's interesting how he keeps his chin up in the air mm-hmm. a little bit, but um, his uppercuts and his movement after that, cool. Um, well, he's a very good John boxer. Jones, how he mixes things up yeah. with uh, you know his elbows and his distance and stuff like that, ground and pound. John's very creative, too. Oh, like I love that move that he did with Glover where he wrenched his shoulder. And uh, I go, yeah. have you ever done that before? And he's like, nope, just kind of made it up on the spot. I knew yeah. that it was a vulnerable, <laughs> I knew there was something you're not supposed to do in wrestling. Yeah. And so he just realized that Glover had a light underhook, just got his forearm yeah. behind the elbow and just yanked the shit out of it. Yeah. Tore Glover's shoulder up. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you just have to go with the flow, I guess. Be like water, like Bruce said. Yes, yeah. exactly. I find it fascinating when you see a guy. Like one of the things I'm really fascinated by is um, Gustafson and Rumble Johnson. Okay. Because Rumble Johnson, who was a standout at welterweight, is now <laughs> now fighting 35 pounds heavier. How? Ah, fucking, he's huge. He just he just 
dieted the shit out of himself. He's a perfect example of you can cut too much weight and it actually fucks yeah. you up. Like the point of diminishing returns, yeah. he had passed that clearly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how he grew so much. Same with Overeem. Like that's crazy. Well, right? I know how Overeem yeah. did it. Yeah, well, I think we know how Rumble did it too. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Rumble was always big. Like Rumble oh, okay, was, yeah. I caught, I saw Rumble yeah. in between fights once, and he was two hundred thirty pounds. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I did see him in between fights; he was massive. I think he was just incredibly disciplined and in dieting and starving himself down to one hundred seventy. At that point, no, just fight bigger guys. Who cares? It fucked him up. I mean, when he lost to Koscheck, he just had nothing in the tank. It got to a certain point where his body, he was good for a certain amount of of effort, mm. but his body was so depleted. Not saying taking anything away from Koscheck because Koscheck legitimately beat him, mm. but your body when you you have so much depletion, there's mm. a certain point in time where your body's like, you know what, it stops. There's yeah. nothing left. Yeah. There's nothing left. It's just not functioning right. Right, right. And at light heavyweight, he's a motherfucker, man. Yeah, who would want to fight? Like, I, I'd have no interest in fighting at 155. Yeah, zero interest. It's a lot of guys do it, man. It's a lot I'd of way rather it. fight bigger guys. Yeah. I don't have any interest losing that much weight. Well, look at Frankie. I mean, Frankie, for the longest time, when he was a lightweight champion, he was weighing 155, fighting 155. Yeah, I know. That's funny, huh? He barely cuts to make 145. He can make 135. Really, huh? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I guarantee you he can make 135. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be fun, but he could do it. Right, right. Yeah, that's cool. It was a good decision to move to 45, though. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anybody yeah. else that is exciting to you? Uh, um, there always is, you know. Like I, I've watched a lot of Bruce Lee. Do you, you know? really? Yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. I Pretty like, much every fighter does. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a, a lot of older guys too. I don't know. I'm, I'm very random. The newer guys though, I like. I've been watching Conor and Ronda a lot lately. I, I think. love Ronda's armbar technique. Yeah. I think her armbar technique might be the best I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. She, she's got a great arm off. Her setups and the way she's able to adjust when opponents try to roll out of her, yeah. her moves, yeah. like as they try to get out of it, she just sinks it in tighter and tighter and tighter and she follows them. She's so used to attacking right. with arm bars that like she kind of knows what they're going to do before they know what they're going to do. Uh-huh. So as they try to defend, she's like one step ahead of them, yeah. tightening it up even further. Jordan Burroughs. I watched a lot of him. For wrestling, mm-hmm. you know who he is? No, Jordan Burroughs, um, great American wrestler. I think he won uh, Olympics and World Championships. Uh, great explosive double, probably one of the best double legs around. Interesting, interest, interesting style. He, it, watching him and hearing about a lot of his techniques helped me a lot in my wrestling. Well, George was really interesting in his wrestling approach because he didn't wrestle in high school, didn't wrestle in college, yeah, he just and trained. trained. It. I load a lot of Russian nationals up there in Montreal, right? Yeah, but he he trained with yeah the 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 Montreal team. Yeah. Is there uh, a lot of high re- high level wrestling up there? Uh, yeah, I I I'd say I like um you know Gia I can't I never able to say his last name Cesorian Cesorian. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's a world champ and I think Olympic silver medalist. He's uh, super technical. He's helped me a lot with the wrestling. I think he's helped George a lot. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good wrestlers there. Some and does Faraz bring guys like that in? Does he have like wrestling classes? Yeah, and- yeah. Gia comes in, and there's also some other wrestlers that come in and 
uh, there's uh, some Greco guys that come in now. Yeah. Well, it's just such an amazing sport. I I love MMA. I just love that there's so much variation. There's so many so many variables to consider. There's so many different options and different approaches. It's just constantly exciting and interesting to me. You know, mm-hmm. and there's so much to learn. There is, and I I love that there's guys like you, man, that are out there. You're on the edge. You know, you're you're constantly pushing it and. Just really fun to watch your fight, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I really yeah. appreciate you coming on here, too. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. fun. Good yeah. conversation. And yeah, thanks man. for the, the plug at the beginning. <laughs> Joe Rogan <Rutter> Podcast. Check <laughs> no, it out. No worries. That's Roy McDonald. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, what is your Twitter? It's, it's, um, it's um, Rory underscore, underscore McDonald. Yeah. McDonald, not MC. It's M-A-C. Yeah. yeah, you don't want some dude out there faking it. Is there some dude out there pretending to be you? Is anybody? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I had to talk to you about before we leave. The music? The fucking music. The walking music. We've talked about this on the podcast yeah, before, but there's a great story. You changed your phone number, and the UFC did know that you had a new phone number. So yeah. they were texting your old phone number. Yeah. And some other dude who got your number, who was a fan, was he was picking your walking music. So when I moved from Kelowna, BC, the small town I was doing martial arts that when i finally made the move to montreal i had to switch to that the area right the phone number so my old phone number went to this random guy in Kelowna, and uh apparently he was a fan of me and uh um jason the guy uh at ufc who was asking for my entrance music just had my old number and uh and so this guy was, he was like, hey, Rory, what's, uh, what entrance music do you want for the next fight? And this guy was like, just picked up on it. was like, hmm, pretending to be me. And so he get, kept giving him my entrance music. So for the longest time, I kept walking out to the most random shit. <laughs> <laughs> the best one was the MC Hammer one. And you made fun of me. You're like, this shit sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was a terrible song. You, yeah, you made fun of me for that. Who'd one. you fight? Who was it that you Mike fought? Mike Pyle. Mike Pyle. And Mike Pyle came out to some classic song. It was a Rocky. It was because it was in Philly. We fought in Philly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I, I said it was classic, and then Mike Goldberg was like, "Well, this is classic too." I go, "Yeah, but this song sucks." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of a bummer because I saw MC Hammer after I said that. Right. Like I saw him like a couple fights later, and he came up to me and said, "I'm like." Oh, feel bad now said your song sucks it was well, a good song back in the day but yeah i mean it's not my kind of music but some people <laughs> like it and apparently this certain fan enjoyed the song and thought i would enjoy it too which songs did you choose here's some songs you had uh metallica seek and destroy That's me rihanna's you... me okay uh, so you picked those all the way up to mc hammer yeah mc hammer did you pick up uh did you, t- no. Tupac and Biggie? Was that you? That was me. Yeah. That was you. That's must that was the one probably where I f- I caught on to it. <laughs> <laughs> so MC Hammer was the catalyst. Yeah. That was the last one. So that so, was the last song yeah. that guy picked. And when I I uh the Tupac and Biggie song. Yeah. That was uh, when I fought Shane Mills. And, ah. and Jason came up to me, and he's like, and it would have continued on if this didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> he comes up to me in person. He's like, oh, sorry, Rory. Um, we can't get the rights to that song, um, whatever it was. It was like a Nickelback song or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, and I was what an asshole. I was trying to get you to come out to Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and... and uh, he was like, yeah, you, you asked, you, I texted you, you told me this song. I'm like, dude, I never texted you anything. And we started arguing. 
Like, he's like, yes, you did. And I'm like, no, I didn't, man. And I'm like, pull up your phone. Let's see it. So he takes his phone out and he's like, look, he said it right here. I'm like, what number is this? Go into the contacts, see what number it is. It was my old number. I was like, dude, this is not my number, man. Did you call your old number and talk to that dude? No, I should have, though. Fuck yeah. We should call him right now. (laughs) We should. Does he still have it? What is my old number? 826. Just don't say it out loud. You don't (laughs) want to do the bombed on. We should call him. We'll, we'll call him after the show. We don't want to fuck with the I, dude. I got to figure out my old number. <laughs> well, just text Jason. Ask him to forward yeah, yeah. if he's still, he might have deleted it. All right. Anyway, listen. Oh, no. I, I remember the number. You got it? Yeah. Okay. We'll call it afterwards. Rory underscore M-A-C. McDonald. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter. When's your next fight scheduled? You're waiting. It's, well, you're waiting for the title fight. Yeah. After the title fight's over, so you get the Johnny, next fight. Johnny Hendricks fighting Robbie Lawler December 6th. Two weeks from now. Yep. The winner of that fights me. Beautiful. On a date. Yet to, to be, be decided. Yeah. Hopefully in Canada, right? They, Dana said it's for sure in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. So will that be in Toronto or Montreal? It could be Toronto, Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver. Right, right. There's a lot of spots for yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. Listen, man. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. And uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you doing it. Thanks, man. And I appreciate your style. love watching you fight. I'm a big fan. So Thanks, this, man. This is cool for me. Thanks. Roy McDonald, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with Lewis from Unbox Therapy. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Big kiss. Mwah. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Thanks to Vimeo. Thanks to High Maintenance on Vimeo. Go to vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash high maintenance enter the code word rogan at checkout and the first 500 jre fans to redeem will get 10 percent off thanks also to me undies i'm wearing them bitches they are the most comfortable underwear you will ever get and if you're not happy with them you fuck if you're not happy with them your first pair is free go to meundies.com forward slash rogan and get 20 percent off your first order and free shipping that's me undies dot com forward slash rogan and last but not least we are brought to you by onit.com that is o-n-n-i-t use the code word rogan and save 10 percent off any and all supplements thank you once again for tuning in we appreciate the fuck out of you and we look forward to talking in your ear hole again bye-bye big kiss